0: hit me again. It is August the 3rd and we are here for our Michigan NASCAR weekend preview and hot topic sound off with our fan for racing crew and joining me as co-host for today is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you, Sharon. I, I heard the computer unmute me and I was trying to message you real quick because I don't think it had you. So uh, we're good to go now though. Uh, you talk about Michigan. Big track coming up, big race as we approach the uh, the playoffs here with the Xfinity and Cup Series with a couple races to go and for the Arkham Menard Series halfway through their season. Uh, we'll see what happens. Right now it looks kind of like a runaway, but we'll talk about that here in a few minutes.
0: Yes, Indeed. In fact, in our first half hour we are going to get into the latest short track news uh, and the races that are coming up this weekend so that you can watch them. Uh, wherever they are available for live streaming. And next, we're going to preview the ARCA Menard Series race at Michigan International Speedway with a brief ARCA East and ARCA West Series update. In our next half hour, we're going to update the truck series. They're not racing this weekend, but we will also preview the NASCAR Xpendi Series race, series race at Michigan. And in our third half hour, we'll finish up that preview and get into our NASCAR Cup Series race. At Michigan International Speedway And if time allows We'll get into a few current news stories So then you'll want to stay tuned For a Hot Topic Sound Off discussion With our Fan for Racing crew We've got quite a few topics on our list today And joining us uh, for today's Hot Topics Is uh, not only Jay and myself But we'll also have Mike Orzel As well as Brian Everly, Is uh, our regular On our Hot Topic Sound Off segment So on Thursday, so uh, a lot to look forward to today, Jay.
1: It is, and I know we got some great hot topics uh, as well as the uh, dynamic there, Uh, Mike and Brian together today with us. Um, That's a different one I don't know that we've had quite yet.
0: (laughs) Yes, I think that's going to be fun. Uh, I like the different dynamics that we uh, capture here. All right, let's go ahead and get started with our August 3rd dirt and short track news. Uh, I guess I'll let you start with dirt, and I'll finish up with short tracks.
1: All right, let me find, there we go, the 3rd. Wow, is it that far into August already? It is, so Thursday night action. Uh, appreciate you letting me start with this one. I had a home track when I was growing up. Cedar Lake Speedway hosting the World of Outlaws Late Models. That'll be at 715 On Dirt Vision, the Summer Thunder Twin 25s at Georgetown Speedway will be 6.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. And then back over on Dirt Vision, another one up in the Midwest, that's the Knoxville Nationals, the 360 Knoxville Nationals at Knoxville Raceway, and that'll be at 7.30 p.m. on Dirt Vision.
0: Okay, both of these short track races will be available live streaming on Flow Racing we will start at 6 p.m., uh, these are Eastern times that we're giving you at Berlin Raceway. They'll have the limited late model racing available, and then the weekly racing Thunder Road Speed Bowl at seven p m again, both of those are uh live streamed on um, live streamed on flow racing. I gotta look for our August fourth date here. And we have uh, a little bit of dirt, and a lot, a lot of dirt, and a little bit of short tracks. So uh, let's go about halfway into the dirt, and then I'll finish up with short tracks.
1: All right, you're right. Friday night dirt track action, definitely uh, broad there. The World Outlaw Sprint Car Series, Extreme Outlaw Series, that'll be Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55 Speedway, 7 p- 7.15 p.m., covered on Dirt Vision. Cedar Lake uh, hosting the World Outlaw Late Models again for night number two, 7.15 p.m. on Dirt Vision. Then you got the Woodtick Memorial at Merritt Speedway. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. Also on Flow Racing, uh, 15 minutes later, 6.45 p.m., the Empire Super Series Sprints at Utica Rome Speedway. And at 6.45 p.m. on Dirt Vision, there you got weekly racing from Williams Grove Speedway.
0: If you the woods, we really encourage you to get out to these tracks and support your local tracks by being there and being a fan in the seats. Okay, moving on at 7.30 p.m. over at Flow Racing, um, you can watch the Belleville 305 Nationals at Belleville High Bank Speedway. Did I skip one, Jay, or did you get that one?
1: No, that... That was it.
0: Okay. Okay, and the 360 Knoxville Nationals continue the night two over at Knoxville Raceway, 7.30 p.m. on Dirt Vision. And then there's the weekly racing at Marshalltown Speedway at 7.55 p.m. over on Flow Racing. Also, the next two also at Flow Racing at 8 p.m., the weekly points race at Port City Raceway. Uh So you'll want to check that out, as well as at 8.30 is the Comp Cam's Late Models over at Arrowhead Speedway at 8.30 p.m., uh, available live streaming on Flow Racing. Uh Then we have the Napa Auto Parts SK at Stafford Motor Speedway at 5.45 p.m. on Flow Racing. And Racing America will cover the local racing at Five flag Speedway, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Next up is our August 5th dates. Uh, Let's start with the uh, short or the uh, dirt track for August 5th.
1: Well, once again, quite a bit of dirt track racing. For the second night, it'll be the World Outlaw Sprint Cars Extreme Outlaw Series at the Federated Auto Parts at I-55. It'll be at 7.15 p.m. on Dirt Vision. The World Outlaw Late Models, once again, Cedar Lake Speedway, 7.15 p.m. on Dirt Vision as they wrap that up. Then you've got the ultimate super late model series at Sumpner Speedway. That'll be at 5.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. For weekly racing, I'll cover these real quick. Bridgeport mm-hmm. Speedway, 6 p.m. on Flow Racing. Another one at 6 p.m. is Fonda Speedway for weekly racing on Flow Racing. Uh six fifteen, that'll be Port Royal Speedway. The Land of Legends raceway, six fifteen PM. That one's on Dirt Vision for weekly racing. And then Sharon Speedway has six thirty PM for their weekly racing and that's on Dirt Vision.
0: Okay. Next up, we've got the Family Fireworks Night out at Eldora Speedway at 6.30 p.m., uh, available on Flow Racing. Also at 6.30 on Flow Racing is the Woodkick Memorial at Merritt Speedway. And on Dirt Vision, the 360 Knoxville Nationals continue out at Knoxville Raceway, 7.30 p.m., uh, that's on Dirt Vision. Also on uh, Flow Racing at 7.30 is at Elkin Speedway is the Fast Track Late Model Racing. And also at 7.30 on Flow Racing is the Belleville 305 Nationals at Belleville High Bank Speedway. Also 7.30 p.m. on Flow Racing is the Comp Camp Late Models over at Caney Valley Speedway. And at 9 p.m. on Flow Racing is the USAC West Coast Midgets at Antioch Speedway. But we've got some dirt racing on August 5th as well, or short track racing, I mean, August 5th as well, Jay.
1: It is Saturday night short track racing. Take your pick. At 6.05 p.m. Flow Racing, you can start with the USAC Raleigh Beale Classic coming from Toledo Speedway. The NASCAR Wheeland Modified Tours there at Lancaster National Speedway. Flow Racing will cover that at 8 p.m. Got an old timers night at Oswego Speedway. That one's a little earlier in the day, 3.45 p.m. on Flow Racing. Racing America, going to cover the APC Late Models at Sommel Speedway. That's at 4 p.m. 5 p.m. Flow Racing's got NASCAR Weekly Racing at Riverhead Raceway. And that. At Million Camp Midsummer Class at 2.50. That's at White Mountain Motorsports Park Racing America. I'll cover that at 5.30 p.m. Um And I'll start with a couple of the ask. Mass- Whoa.
0: You can cover all of the lost. weekly racing there. Uh, uh,
1: all right. Let me pull that back. Yeah, I just lost my page.
0: You can cover it then. Uh, a lot of weekly racing here. First at Jennerstown Speedway at 5.50 p.m. over at Flow Racing. At 7 p.m. on Flow Racing, there's, uh, about three or four here. Uh, first at South Boston Speedway, Langley Speedway, Florence Motor Speedway, and Hickory Motor Speedway, all at 7 p.m. and all available for live racing or live streaming at Flow Racing. Then at 7.30 p.m., You've got the CRA Late Model Sportsman 200 out at Anderson Speedway, and that's available over at Racing America. You want to pick up from here, Jay?
1: All right. Now more NASCAR Weekly Racing being covered from Bowman Gray Stadium. That's at 7:45 p.m. on Flow Racing. The Weekly Racing from Lacrosse Fairgrounds. That'll be at 8 p.m. And then a couple of different ones. The Show Me the Money series. PLM Twin Feature. That's at Montgomery Motor Speedway from Racing America at 8 p.m. And the final NASCAR Weekly Racing being covered, a Flow Racing at 10 p.m. Alaska Raceway Park.
0: Okay. Next up, we'll go to our August 6th dirt and short track racing. It's a short list here. I'll start with the Capitani Classic at Knoxville Raceway. That'll be at 7.45 p.m. over at Dirt Vision for live streaming. And then there's the Pro All-Stars Series at Oxford Plain Speedway, 4 p.m. at Racing America. Let's wrap it up, Jay, <laughs> for the 6. Yeah,
1: at 6 p.m. Yeah, at 6 p.m. flow racing, you got the Enduro 200 from Thunder Road Speedway and then the Alan Kowicki Memorial Night at Slinger Super Speedway, and that'll be 7.30 p.m. covered by Racing America.
0: August the 7th, uh, they'll have Dirt Racing at Front Row Challenge at Southern uh, Iowa Speedway at 8 p.m. over at Flow Racing, but a little bit earlier in the evening at Flow Racing for Short Tracks at 6.30 p.m., uh, you can watch the Wild Thing Kart series over at Stafford Motor Speedway. So that pretty much wraps up our, uh, dirt racing for the weekend all the way through to August the 7th. So, uh, anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? I usually try to check out, uh, the, uh, SRL as well to see if they're racing. Let me check that real quick.
1: All right, I will throw this out there. I know Racing America, we mentioned a couple of times as they are growing their number of live races. They're going to add the North-South Shootout, uh, so that's one they're going to cover this year, coming up on Saturday, November 4th from Carraway Speedway.
0: Okay, well, that sounds like uh, some fun uh, for everybody. Okay, Colorado National, I think, is the next race that's coming up here on the schedule For the SRL, let me just double-check that. We've got several races down already. Uh, August the 12th, yes, they'll be racing over at Colorado National Speedway. Uh, And that is going to be a lot of fun. There's no time listed here, but uh, Spears has their own racing TV, so you can watch those races over there. And then also the SRL National, uh, their next race is August the 9th at Berlin Raceway. It's the Battle at Berlin, and that actually uh, is taking place on Wednesday night on August the 9th. So you'll want to check that out. And again, a lot of these races are available for live streaming at uh, the Spears Racing TV uh, over at um, the srlsouthwesttour.com website but they also have modified series available on MAV TV so uh, you'll want to check that out as well so I think we've got everybody caught up on the uh... Uh,
1: wh- one last yeah. quick one uh, Sharon as you started talking about the SRL my mind went to the SRX and I have tried to force my cable to record it uh, tonight hopefully <laughs> on ESPN starting at 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. The SRX series minus Paul Tracy going to be running week number four um, at Berlin and Raceway.
0: Uh, suspended for the rest of the season in the SRX. I think we might be talking about that on our Hot Topic Sound Off. Okay, uh, let's move on now to the Arkham and Arts series. They're racing the Henry Ford Health Systems. Two hundred at Michigan International Speedway out at Brooklyn, Michigan, this Friday. That's tomorrow, August the fourth, at six p.m. Eastern Time. It will be available for uh, TV coverage on Fox Sports One starting at six p.m. and uh, they'll have the they'll be racing two hundred miles over one hundred laps. So let's get started with the Art series at Michigan.
1: The Henry Ford Health System 200 is the 11th race of the 20 on the 2023 schedule for the Arkham Menard Series. It's the 42nd time in the Arkham Menard Series will race at Michigan International Speedway.
0: They're starting the second half of their 20 race schedule. So uh, this will be fun. Jesse Love enters the Health Ford Health Systems 200 with a 69-point lead in the Arkham Arts Series championship standings over the runner-up, Andre Perez de La. Now, Hollywood superstar-turned-racer Frankie Munoz is third in the standings, and he's five points behind Perez. So the real battle is beyond first place because Jesse Love right now has it pretty much wrapped up. We'll see what happens in the second half of the season.
1: Well, you're right. Love has been dominant over the course of the first half of the Arkham and Ard Series season. In those ten races, five wins coming at Talladega Super Speedway, Kansas Speedway, Motor, or Charlotte Motor Speedway, Elko Speedway, and then Pocono Raceway.
0: fair. Okay, Perez enters the Henry Ford uh, race this weekend, fresh off a career-best third-place finish in the most recent race at Pocono Raceway. He comes to Michigan where his team, Rev Racing, won last year with the reigning series champion Nick Sanchez behind the wheel. So we'll see if uh, Andre Perez can come up with his win this weekend at Michigan.
1: Well, that could make history. And speaking of history... Joe Rutman is the one that won the first Arkham Menard Series race at Michigan International Speedway back in 1980, won a three career series wins. He also won at Daytona International Speedway in 1982 and the series home track nearby Flat Rock Speedway in 1995.
0: Other winners at Michigan International Pill include Billy Harvey in 1980, Tracy Leslie in 90. Dave Mater third in 91, Stanley Smith also in 91, then it was Bob Keselowski in 1992, Jeff Purvis with three wins in 93, 94, and 95, Ron Barfield Jr. in 96, Tim Steele also in 96, 97, and 2000, Mark Thompson in 97, Frank Kimmel in 98, and 2005, David Keith in 99, Carrie Earnhardt in 2001, Blaze Alexander also in 2001, Chad Blount in 2002, Casey Mears in 03, Reed Sorensen in 04, Stephen Wallace in 05, David Stremme in 06, David Sherman also in 06, Eric Darnell in 07, Justin Lofton in 08, Parker Kligerman in 09, Mikey Kyle in 2010. It was Ty Dillon in 11, Chris Busher in 12, Brendan Poole in 13, Austin Terriel in 14, Ross Kinseth in 15, Brandon Jones in 16 and 17, Sheldon Creed in 18, Michael Self in 19, Riley Erpst in 2020, 20, Ty Gibbs in 21. And as we said before, Nick Sanchez in 2022. That's a lot of different names, but a lot of familiar names on that list.
1: And several of them, they were first-time Arkham Nard Series winners there at Michigan International Speedway. And that includes Joe Ruttman, Dave the III, Stanley Smith, Ron Barfield Jr., David Keith, Chad Blunt, Casey Mears, Stephen Wallace, Dave Stremme, Brent Sherman, Justin Lofton, Mikey Kyle, Austin Terrio, Ross Kenseth, and Sheldon Creed.
0: Go South actually holds the track qualifying and race records. They were both set in 2019. The qualifying track record is 37.296. Seconds, that's 193.050 miles per hour, while the race record is one hour, 12 minutes, 34 seconds, 165.365 miles per hour. That is the third fastest race average speed in the Arkham Art Series modern era history behind Grand Alco- Adcox's 1986 win at Talladega at 173.947 miles per hour and Drew Dollar's 2020 win at Talladega at 169.962 miles per hour and uh, that just tells you how fast of a track Michigan International Speedway is.
1: And right now the record for the most lead changes in the Arkham Menards Series race at Michigan International Speedway is set at 13. It was back in 2005. That race won by Frank Kimmel. Last year's race, won by Nick Sanchez, featured 11 changes, so came real close.
0: The record for most cautions in a single ARCA race at Michigan is nine for a record 49 laps, and that was set in 2009, a race won by Parker Kligerman. The record for the fewest cautions is one. For a record low seven laps and that was set in 2019 in the race that was won by Michael Self. Last year's race was slowed by a caution three times and that was for 24 laps.
1: Well, speaking of cautions and should the race need to be extended into overtime, there will be unlimited attempts at a two-lap green-white checkered finish. Now, should the caution flag be displayed after the white flag is displayed, then there will be unlimited attempts at a one-lap green-white together finish. So I uh, always like that about the Arca Menard series.
0: Yeah, they, I like that we pointed out, too, so that fans aren't caught off guard when they're watching that race. Okay, moving over to arcaracing.com. There's always a lot of great stories. Uh, Uh, for fans to catch up on over at ARCA Racing. And um, also, uh, Chris Wright has a feature with High Hopes for the Michigan Race with Venturini Motorsports. So uh, maybe we should take a look at that entry list for Venturini Motorsports, because I mean, for uh, the Henry Ford Health 200, because there are quite a few drivers on this list. And uh, we want to make sure you know who all of them are.
1: All right. I'll start down at the bottom. I believe there's 23 of them. So we'll start with the 06. That'll be A.J. Moyer out of Tampa, Florida, and the Wayne Peterson Ford. Nate Moeller going to be calling the shots for the riversdadget.com, jcrpays.com machine.
0: Okay. And Alex Club will be behind the wheel of the 03.00. he hails from Morris, Illinois. Uh, he'll be driving a Ford with Club Racing on the side. Alex Club is the owner, but Brian Club will be calling the shots on the pit box.
1: Cody Robot owned number 97 Chevrolet. That'll be wheeled by Jason Kitzmiller out of Maysville, West Virginia, and has all construction on the side of it with Todd Myers atop the pit box.
0: Derek occurrence will be on top of the pit box for the Weaver-owned number no. 93, driven by Caleb Kostner from Dallas, North Carolina. Swidorsky Brothers Trucking and Excavating will be on the side of his Chevrolet.
1: Coming out of Buffalo, New York, is Andy Jankowicz. In the KLAS Motorsports Toyota, team owner is Kevin LaPierre and Mike Dayton, the crew chief.
0: Okay, Cody Coughlin behind the wheel of the Coughlin-owned number 72, hailing from Delaware, Ohio. They'll have Jake's Cody Coughlin Company on the side of their Ford. John Coughlin uh, is listed as the owner, but Kevin Reed Sr. is on top of the pit box.
1: (laughs) And home state driver Scott Melton going to be in that number 69, Bill Kimmel Toyota, and he's going to... Kimmel's going to crew chief it as well for the Rockford, Michigan native. And he's got Melton, McFadden an Insurance, and Donna Donuts with him.
0: Okay. Uh, behind the wheel of the Hillenburg Chevrolet this week in the number 66 is John Garrett from Athens, Texas. He'll have Venture Foods on the side of his Chevrolet and Mike Shroof on top of the pit box.
1: Another home state driver is going to be Jeff McZink out of Brownstown, Michigan. Team uh, listed listed under Jared McZink as well as the car owner and crew chief for that Toyota and bringing the Syncon Flooring, Parkway Services, and Innovative Fluid sponsorship to the series.
0: And we mentioned Chris Wright behind the wheel of the number 55 Venturini Toyota this weekend. He hails from Wexford, Pennsylvania. He'll have FNB Corporation on the side of his toy, Toyota and Caden Lapovich on top of his pit box.
1: Well, I'll get to highlight another Michigan native. Out of Romeo, Michigan comes Jeff Smith. And that is in a Brad Smith-owned number 49 Chevrolet. Uh, Might be crew chiefing for himself, as is the next one there.
0: (laughs) Brad Smith will be behind the wheel of his familiar number 48. He hails from Shelby Township, Michigan. He'll also have Caprea on the side of his board, and he'll be crew chiefing for his uh, team this week.
1: Now, Christian Rose, though, he's still going to campaign for the West Virginia Department of Tourism in that number 32 Ford as he comes out of Martinsburg, West Virginia. Ryan London calling the shots for that Kevin Sawinski machine.
0: Tim Goulet, for his own team, he hails from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He'll have auto DNA collision in detail on the side of his Chevrolet. And Rita Goulet is on top of the pit box this week.
1: And out of Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, to be specific, comes that Hollywood actor Frankie Munoz in the number 30. Mark Rhett owned number thirty-four, Ford. Rhett Jones racing on the side. Rhett also be calling the shots.
0: And Kevin Reed Jr. is calling the shots for the Venturini number 25, driven by Gus Dean from Bupton, South Carolina. He'll have Dean Custom Air on the side of his Toyota this weekend.
1: Next up is the team to beat at this point, the number 20 Toyota of Billy Venturini, and that is Jesse Love out of Redwood City, California, carrying the JBL sponsorship, and he's got veteran crew chief Shannon Rorsch with him.
0: Ross on top of the pit box for the Joe Gibbs Toyota. eight Number 18, Connor Mosack will be uh, the driver from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he'll have Mobile One, on the side of his uh, Toyota.
1: And coming all the way out of Lynn Haven, Florida, is the number 15 Phoenix construction-sponsored Venturini Toyota, and that's driver Jake Flint. Monum Raham is the crew chief.
0: Nathan Davis is the crew chief for the Hillenburg Ford, the number 12 driven by Tim Monroe from Elmwood, Illinois. Uh, He'll have fast track racing on the side of his board this weekend.
1: One more. Well, maybe two more. Another um, Michigan native, Grass Lake, Michigan, brings us to the driver, Morgan Baird, and he's in the number 11 Hillenburg Toyota, Dick Delaney, in his ear, with Long Drink Experience Jackson. Um.
0: Foam is on the side of the Toyota for Gage Rogers, driving the number 10 Hillenburg Toyota this weekend. And Todd Parrott is on top of the pit box.
1: And the last one, not a state resident, as in the U.S., because he comes from Mexico City, Mexico, and that is the number two Chevrolet of Max Siegel and Rev Racing. Jamie Jones, the crew chief the driver is Andres Perez-Bilara.
0: Okay, and that covers uh, everybody on our list here. Um, Just real quick, I do want to let you know there are uh, some great articles that are over at uh, ARCAracing.com. The next race for the ARCA East Series is going to be a combination event, the Reese's 200, August the 11th at 6 p.m. Eastern at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, televised on Fox Sports 1. And the next West, Rate for the Arkham Menards Series is the Napa Auto Parts Archer 150, August 19th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern out at Evergreen Speedway. That one will be available via live streaming on Flow Racing. Uh, next, we're going to move over to our um, truck series. They're not racing this weekend, but they'll be uh, racing at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park the T-Sport 200, on Friday, August the 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Again, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, as well as radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. Uh Now, they'll be racing a distance of 137.2 miles over 200 laps, First two stages are 60 laps each, stage one ends on lap 60, stage two on lap 120, and the last stage is 80 laps, ending on lap 200.
1: Well, that doesn't mean we won't see some truck drivers uh, out and about this weekend, as Jose of is going to attempt the Xfinity race at Michigan with Spire Motorsports. Now, unlike most of his fellow NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series competitors who may be taking the weekend off, Nice Motorsports' Carson Hosovar instead will be moonlighting in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in that Cabo Wabo 250 at Michigan International Speedway for Spire Motorsports. Hosovar is just coming off a big win in the Craftsman Truck Series regular season finale at Richmond. He'll be piloting the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet on Saturday in the Xfinity Series race. He's made four starts this season, posting two top tens.
0: Okay. Uh, next, oh, boy, we might have to go every other one here, Jay, because uh, there's a lot to cover here. Uh, we're going to take a look at the playoff roster for the truck Craftsman Truck Series. Uh, it's packed in both the postseason veterans and several new ones. There's eight different teams that are represented along with all three of NASCAR's OEMs. Chevrolet, Ford, and Toyota. So we'll take a look at those contenders in this year's playoff grid as the drivers have a week off to prepare for the first race in the round of 10 in the Lucas Oil at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. First driver up is the 2023 Craftsman Truck Series regular season champion, Corey Heim. He enters the playoffs in the number one seed at 20,030 points. The driver of the number 11 Tricon Garage Toyota's first year with his new team has gone without a significant hitch, securing two wins at Martinsville and Mid-Ohio to lock him into the playoffs. Despite missing Gateway because of illness, the Marietta, Georgia native leads the Truck Series field with 408 laps led, 13 top 10 finishes, and five stage wins. This is Himes' very first playoff appearance.
1: Well, heading into the playoffs as the number two seed is the reigning and defending NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion Zane Smith with 2,022 points. The 24-year-old swept both the regular season and postseason titles last year. Like Haim, Smith reached the playoffs off of two wins, Daytona and Coda. Driver of the number 38 front row Motorsports Ford became the first repeat NASCAR winner at Coda and made the Front Row Motorsports team a perfect 3-for-3 in the Craftsman Truck Series races at the famed road course after he took the reins from Todd Gillen. With eight top-five finishes, Smith leads the Craftsman Truck Series field.
0: Next, with 2,021 points from Nice Motorsports, he enters as the number-three seed, the third-year driver has been in the playoffs since his rookie season in 2020. He pilots the number 42 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet, hosts by Leeds the Truck Series with three wins at Texas, Nashville, and Richmond, and the Michigan native held an impressive streak of five consecutive top-five finishes, the longest of his career, during the stamp from Darlington through Nashville. Uh, So there's a good reason I think Carson Holzbaugh wants to be in that Michigan Xfinity Series race. He hails from Michigan.
1: Next up, we got driver of the number 19 McAnally-Hilgerman racing Chevrolet, Christian Eckes as he heads into the playoffs in the number four seed, sitting at 2,019 points. It didn't take Eckes long to mesh with his new team. The 22-year-old raced his way into his third playoff uh, series after securing two wins coming at Atlanta and Darlington. The New York Natives' four-stage wins are tied for second among the Craftsman Truck Series field.
0: Now, number five seed is Grant Infinger. He enters the playoff just two points behind Eckies at 2017, and with steady performances week in and week out, the driver of the number 23 GMS Racing Chevrolet has only failed to crack the top 15 only twice, both before May. And he has two wins, Kansas and St. Louis, securing his playoff spot. Enfinger will look to continue his consistency during the postseason.
1: The number six seed, Ty Majewski, follows Enfinger into the playoffs with 2014 points, three behind the veteran. Driver the number 80, or 98, sorry, Thor Sport Racing Ford, was the first driver to lock himself into the playoffs via points. Now, the Wisconsin native has had a knack for high finishes this season. His seven top five finishes are tied for second among the entire Craftsman Truck Series field, while his 11 top 10 finishes rank in second.
0: The 2021 Craftsman Truck Series champion Ben Rhodes enters the playoffs as the number 7 seed with 2,013 points. But we know Rhodes is no stranger to the postseason as this is his sixth playoff appearance. The 26-year-old secured his spot with one win at Charlotte. And in 16 starts this season, the driver of the 99 ThorSport Racing Ford has 10 top 10 finishes and 88 laps led.
1: I'm sorry, I lost where we, who we were on there. Okay, uh, entering as the number eight, spe- there we go. The eight seed is, with 2,005 points, is Sonoco Rookie of the Year candidate Nick Sanchez coming out of the Arkham Menard Series. He was the 2022 Arkham Menard Series champion and taken the Craftsman Truck Series by storm as he leads the field with four poles. Now, although the rookie has not yet seen victory lane, there's no no doubt about the speed he possesses. The 22-year-old that finished inside the top 10 in five of the final six regular season races.
0: Following very closely behind by three points is the number nine seed, Matt DiBenedetto. He's at 2,002 points after a rough start to the season. The driver of the number 25 Rackley War Chevrolet raced his way into the playoff via points. The California native concluded the 23 regular season by finishing inside the top ten in six of his last seven events.
1: And last but certainly not least, rounding out the ten Craftsman Truck Series playoff contenders, is veteran Matt Crafton, who also has 2,002 points. A seventh-place finish in the regular season finale at Richmond Helped the driver, of the number 88 Thor Sport Racing Ford, sneak his way into the postseason field, extending his series record of postseason appearances to eight seasons, running from 2016 to 2023. With the experience of three prior titles in 13, 14, and 19, Crafton is very familiar with the high adrenaline that comes with playoffs. Yes.
0: Championship, and so they're going to put forth their very best, I'm sure. Now, uh, the series is heading, uh, returning actually, to the historic Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park for the second time since 2011. The Truck Series is returning uh, to Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, uh, and will play host to the playoff race for only the second time in Truck Series history. Now, the track is the fifth track to open the playoffs, along with New Hampshire Motor Speedway, who opened the playoffs in 2016 and 17, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park opened the Truck Series playoffs in 2018, Bristol Motor Speedway did it twice in 2019 and 20, and Worldwide Technology Raceway was the season opener for the playoffs in 2021. The historic track houses a .68-mile paved oval located in Claremont, Indiana, but the original intent was to design a 15-turn, 2.5-mile road course. In 1995, the inaugural truck series race at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park was won by Mike Skinner, he piloted the number three RCR Chevrolet, and Skinner went on to win the series championship that same year. Through 18 previous events at the Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, and the truck series only twice has the winner come from a starting position outside the top five. In 2011, Timothy Peters started 16th, and Johnny Benson started 8th in 2008. The pole winner has gone on to win five of the 18 races. In addition to the winner has started in the front row eight separate times. Comedic Gasket pole qualifying will surely be the key for the 10 drivers who will begin their playoff run for the 2023 Truck Series Championship next weekend.
1: And with that, we'll take a look at where we're at, how we got here, and where we're going as the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs is set for that Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Now, after Nice Motorsports driver Carson Hosovar emerged victorious at Richmond Raceway, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs are set to get underway next weekend there at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, and that'll be for the TS Motor, or T-Sport 200. The 2023 season will mark the eighth running of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs running from 2016 to 2023. Since that inception of the new format in 2016, seven different drivers have hoisted that championship trophy. Johnny Sauter in 2016, Christopher Bell in 17, Brett Moffitt in 18, Matt Crafton in 19, Sheldon Creed in 2020, Ben Rhodes in 2021 and then last year's champion Zane Smith. The structure of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series will remain the same as it was last year. It's a seven-race, three-round elimination format. The Truck Series will cap off the season in conjunction with the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Premier Cup Series at Phoenix Raceway for that championship four finale. Now the characteristics of the Truck Series format, uh, The number of championship drivers in contention for the Craftsman Truck Series uh, decreases after every three playoff races, from 10 to start the playoffs, 8 after race number 3, and then 4 after race number 6. The first three races of the playoffs, um, races 17 through 19, will be known as the round of 10. Races 20 through 22, known as the round of 8, and then race number 23 will be that NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Championship, the championship four round. A win by a championship-eligible driver in the playoff race automatically clinches the winning driver of the spot into the next round. And four drivers will enter the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Championship with a chance at the title, the highest finishing among those four capturing the championship. So break it down a little bit more here, the round of ten, those races seventeen through nineteen. They're going to be at Lucas Oil Raceway, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, the Milwaukee Mile, and then Kansas Speedway. The driver wins a race in the round, they automatically advance to the round of eight. The remaining available positions in one through eight that have not been filled by wins fill up on points. Each advancing playoff contender will then have their points reset to three thousand. Plus, any playoff points that have been awarded to that point are added back in. Then the round of eight, races 20 through 22, those will take place at Bristol Motor Speedway, Talladega Super Speedway, and Homestead Miami Speedway. Likewise, again, if a driver in the top eight in points wins a race in this round, they automatically advance to the championship four rounds. Any remaining available positions in 1 through 4 that have not been filled by wins will be filled by points, Uh, one spot guaranteed by that. Each advancing contender then again have their points reset to 4,000. Now, each eliminated driver returned to the playoff start base of 2,000 plus any uh, awarded playoff points with their accumulated points starting with race number 17 added. This allows that all drivers not in contention for the Craftsman Truck Series title continue to race for the best possible season-long standing, with final positions fifth through tenth still up for grabs. So, uh, once you're out uh, the rounds, you're not necessarily out for the fifth place. You keep battling for that.
0: We already okay. went through. we're a little a bit behind here, idiot, Jay. So I'm going to go right in. Yeah, we've already gone over who the top ten are. Yep. So, I'm going to uh, go into the Xfinity series so we don't get too far behind. Okay, the Cabo Wabo 250 at Michigan International Speedway will take place Saturday, August the 5th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on the USA Network at 3 p.m. and the radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90 they'll be racing 250 miles over 125 laps. First two stages are 30 laps each. Stage 1 ends on lap 30, Stage 2 on lap 60, and the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 125, which is 65 laps.
1: What do well, we have well let's Xfinity- look ahead a little. Uh, looking ahead a little bit, Connor Daly is going to run the Xfinity Series race at Indianapolis. He's an IndyCar veteran, Connor Daly. He'll be making his first Xfinity Series start of the 2023 season next weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He'll be behind the wheel in the number 44 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet. The Indiana native made his debut in the Xfinity Series back in 2018 at Road America. He has since made starts in both the Cup Series and Craftsman Truck Series. Most recent start was in the Truck Series a few weeks ago at Mid-Ohio, where he finished 18th. Now, the Xfinity Series race at IMS will be the first stock car stint on a road course, on, the, on that road course.
0: Okay, just real briefly, uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, had some big news this past weekend. Starting in 2025, the CW Network will become the exclusive home of the NASCAR Xfinity Series and will extend through the 2031 season. The NASCAR Productions Group will work closely with the CW Network to produce all races and content. Big news, and I don't think we've talked about that on Hot Topics yet, so we might be talking about that tonight or today. It
1: is indeed, and, yeah, we'll see uh, where that falls in. We've got to look at the Xfinity Series playoffs as they loom ahead with six races left now in the regular season. A junior motorsport, Sam Mayer, became the eighth different driver to earn a spot in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs this season by virtue of his big hometown win victory at Road America last weekend. Mayer's win leaves just four spots left in the 12-driver playoff field, as the series has six races remaining in the regular season. The eight drivers in the 2023 playoffs on wins wins are Austin Hill, John Hunter Nemechek, Cole Custer, Justin Allgaier, Chandler Smith, Sam Merritt, Jeb Burton, and Sammy Smith. Drivers occupying currently the four remaining spots in the playoff outlook they include Josh Berry, who's in ninth, 107 points above the cut line. Daniel Hemrick is 10th, 74 points to the good. Riley Herbst in the 11th is 25 up. And Sheldon Creed in 12th is 22 points up. Richard Childress Racing's Sheldon Creed, is a, sits in that 12th and final transfer spot on points. And he's got a 22-point lead over Big Machine Racing's Parker Kligerman, who's in 13th that first spot outside the cutoff. We look ahead to Michigan. Of the five drivers along the playoff cut line, Josh Berry has the best average at the two-mile track with a 5.0. Following that is Creed at 11.0, Daniel Hemrick 15.2, Riley Herbst at 17.6, and Kligerman at Uh
0: 25.0. because they both want to make it into those playoffs. Uh, And they've been doing a lot better than those figures show. Sam Mayer takes the checkered flag at his home track. It appears that the stars aligned for junior motorsports driver Sam Mayer last weekend, posting his first Xfinity Series win at his home track, Road America. Franklin, uh, Wisconsin native Mayer, definitely had his work cut out for him in the dash for the win. Winning, running three wide in the second overtime start before the finally emerging out front and snagging that checkered flag. With his win, he kept the different winner streak alive at Road America, joining Carl Edwards in 2010, Reed Sorensen in 11, Nelson Piquet Jr. in 12, A.J. Allmendinger in 13, Brennan Gaughan in 14, Paul Menard in 15, Michael McDowell in 16, Jeremy Clements in 17, Justin Algower in eighteen, Chris Bell, Christopher Bell in nineteen, Austin Cendrick in twenty twenty, Kyle Bush in twenty one, and Ty Gibbs in twenty two. Now Mayor will be looking to keep the momentum going as the series heads to Michigan for the Cabo Wobble two fifty. He's twenty years old and has made two starts at the two mile track. And although he hasn't had the best of luck at Michigan, finishing thirty third in both of his starts, he has proved that he can perform well on two-mile track. He finished runner-up at Auto Club earlier this season and sixth in his debut in the track in 2020.
1: Michigan, no different than the rest of the country, is hot, hot, hot. And Michigan winner streak could continue on Saturday. Michigan International Speedway is currently riding a wave of different winners in the Xfinity Series that has reached 12 drivers in Victory Lane dating back to 2010. Now this weekend, the Cabo Wabo 250 has the chance to produce another new winner, bringing that total to the Baker's Dozen 13 and keep the streak going. The streak of different winners it began in 2010. It started with Brad Keselowski, then Carl Edwards in 2011, Joey Logano in 12, Regan Smith in 2013, then Paul Menard in 14. Kyle Busch in 15, Daniel Suarez in 16, Danny Hamlin came in in 17, Austin Dillard picked it up in 18, Tyler Reddick in 2019, A.J. Allmendinger in 2021, and then Ty Gibbs in 2022. Notice that uh, 2020 was not on there as they did not compete. The series did not compete at Michigan during the pandemic. Now, there are only two drivers that have the opportunity to break that streak, and that's A.J. Allmendinger and Ty Gibbs. Uh, but many in the field will be looking to keep that streak very much alive. In junior Motorsports' Justin Algar, he's been dominant in Michigan's two-mile track. He's posted three top fives and seven top tens in his 11 starts. Last season, he came extremely close to finally adding a Michigan trophy to his trophy case as he finished second only to Ty Gibbs. Algar heads into the weekend with one win coming at Charlotte, nine top fives, 12 top tens, and 274 laps led this season so far. Another driver who's done well at Michigan and hungry for a win this season is Algar's JRM teammate Brandon Jones. The 26-year-old driver has made six starts at the track, posting two top fives and five top tens. Now, like Algar, Jones has Come extremely close to tasting victory at Michigan International Speedway as he finished runner-up in 2021 after his race after racing his way up from the 24th starting position.
0: Oh, okay, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is revving up for Michigan after some fun time uh, turning left and right at Road America. They will now be shifting gears and heading to Michigan for the Cabo Wabo 250 on Saturday. And uh, the track has hosted 30 Xfinity Series races since 92, producing 22 different race winners and 23 different pole winners. Only three races have been won from the pole or the first starting spot, most recently by Brad Keselowski in 2010. Eight different drivers are tied for the most wins at Michigan in the series with two victories each, Todd Bodine in 92 and 2000 and Kyle Busch at 2004 and 2015, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 99 and 06, Denny Hamlin in 07 and 17, Carl Edwards in 08 and 11, Brad Keselowski in 2009 and 10, Mark Martin in 93 and 95, Ryan Newman in 2001 and 5. Of the 22 former winners in Michigan, only two are entered this weekend in the Cabo Wallow 250. A.J. Almendinger with that 2021 win and Ty Gibbs winning in 2022. Both are pushing, uh, pulling double duty this weekend, running in both the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series races. Now, the NASCAR Xfinity Series divers will kick off their weekend with practice on Friday, August the 4th, at 3.35 p.m., followed by qualifying at 4.05 p.m., both Eastern Time. And both will be televised on the USA Network. Now we'll move on to the uh, Cup Series. We always need the extra time when we can get it. The Firekeepers' Casino 400 at Michigan International Speedway will take place Sunday August the 6th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on the USA Network at 2 p.m. Eastern, along with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio, Channel 90. 400 miles, over 200 laps will be covered. And Stage 1 has 45 laps ending on lap 45. Stage 2 will end on lap 120. And the final stage ends on the last lap, And that will be lap 200.
1: Well, on the cup side, the first bit of news we got here, uh, we've been talking about extending some streaks, but this is a contract extension as Spire Motorsports and Corey LaJoy agree on a multi-year extension. The two sides have reached a multi-year extension, Spire Motorsports and Corey LaJoy to remain driver of the number seven Chevrolet in the NASCAR Cup Series. LaJoy has been with the team since 2001, or I'm sorry, since 2021, and in 222 starts, his career best finish included a fourth and fifth place showing, both coming at Atlanta Motor Speedway. In 22 Cup Series races this year, LaJoy has scored that one top five and eleven top twenty finishes. The Concord, North Carolina native is a staple on social media platforms and hosts the podcast Stacking Pennies. New Joy has made nine NASCAR Cup Series starts at Michigan, with the posting of best finish of 19th, and that came last season.
0: Well, as usual, we have a milestone to watch this weekend. Ty Dillon is making his 225th Cup Series career start. He hails from Fire Motorsports and will attempt to make that 225th career start this weekend at Michigan. Over the course of those 224 previous starts, Dylan has competed for eight different organizations in the Cup Series, including RCR, Richard Childress Racing, Levine Family Racing, Stuart Haas Racing, Tommy Baldwin Racing, Jermaine Racing, the Gaunt Brothers Racing, Petty GMS Racing, Inspire Motorsports. He's put up two top fives, seven top tens, and his average start is 26.8. His average finish stands at 22.8. Dylan has made 11 career starts in Michigan, posting a best finish of 11th that came in 2019. Hopefully you'll have a good run this weekend. <clears throat>
1: Well, as mentioned, we're looking to close out the regular season and Truex uh, Jr. is one race closer to his second regular season championship. Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. put up his 12th top 10 finish of the season last weekend at Richmond Raceway and opened up his NASCAR Cup Series driver point standing bleed to 39 points over Hendrick Motorsports' William Byron, who's in second. Now with only four races remaining in the regular season anything can happen but as they sit right now martin truex jr um looks like on the verge of becoming the second driver all time to win multiple nascar cup series regular season championships so he did it back in 2017 and then kyle bush did it along in 2015 and 19. Plus, along with that prestige, Truex would score the additional 15 playoff bonus points that come with that title. Now, Truex is one of seven different drivers to occupy the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings lead this season. In 22 starts this year, Truex has accumulated three wins, three stage wins, eight top fives, and 12 top tens. Let's break down the... uh, Regular season championship clinch scenarios, uh, Martin Truex Jr., or whoever's in fourth would have to be up by a certain number of points after each race. Following Michigan, it would be 180 or 181 points, depending on a tiebreak. Following Indy, that drops down to 120 or 121. At Watkins Glen, it becomes 60 or 61. At Daytona, it's down to 0 or 1, again, depending on the tiebreak. The inception of the NASCAR Cup Series regular season championship came into the series back in 2017. Since then, five different drivers have won that title. Kyle Bush's two fall in that category in 2019 and 18. Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex have each done it once. Elliott in 22, Kyle Larson the year before in 2021, Harvick in 2020 and then Truex back in the inaugural year of 2017. Now, three of the five drivers that have won the regular season championship went on then to win the overall NASCAR Cup Series championship that same season. Those include Martin Truex in 17, Kyle Busch did it in 19, and Kyle Larson in 2021.
0: All right, let's take a look at the OEMs. Ford Motor Company goes for the his their eighth great win at Michigan. This weekend at Michigan International Speedway, Ford is looking to visit victory line for the ninth consecutive time in in the Cup Series at the engine manufacturer's home track. Ford enters this weekend, winning the last eight consecutive Cup Series races from 2018 to 2022. And this weekend, they want to keep that streak alive, the longest consecutive streak of wins by manufacturer at the two-mile facility. Uh, going Dating back to 2018, Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick both won in Ford. Uh, in 2019, it was Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick. And then in 2020, Kevin Harvick did it twice. And in 21, it was Ryan Blaney winning in a Ford. And then Kevin Harvick also won in a Ford in 2022. Eight different manufacturers have won the Cup Series uh, races at Michigan, led by Ford, with 43 victories. Chevrolet has 26. Mercury, 12. Dodge has nine. Toyota, five. Buick has four. Pontiac also has four. And Oldsmobile has two wins. So uh, some interesting stats there for the OEMs.
1: Well, and let me tell you, that, uh, that race is very important to the manufacturers, so we'll keep an eye on that <laughs> as they battle it out on the track. Now, outside looking in, JGR rookie Ty Gibbs is so close to a playoff berth. Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs has made the most of his rookie season through these first 22 races of the year, now sits in contention to become just the fourth driver in series history to make the playoffs, in their rookie NASCAR Cup Series season. You would join Denny Hamlin, who did it in 2006, Chase Elliott in 2016, Austin Sindrick did it in 2022. Gibbs is currently 17th in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff outlook, just 18 points behind front row Motorsports Michael McDowell in the 16th and final postseason transfer position based on points. This season, Gibbs has made 22 starts, putting up one top five and six top ten finishes. Michigan is probably a track Gibbs has had circled this season, not only has he won there in the Xfinity Series back in 2021, but in his Cup Series debut at the two-mile track, he finished inside the top ten at ten.
0: That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm real happy for him. And uh, even if he, if he makes it or he doesn't make it, he's had an outstanding year. Kozlowski and Jones, though, they're going to be chasing home track success this weekend at Michigan. RFK, RFK racing driver Brad Kozlowski hails from Rochester Hills, and legacy motor clubs driver Eric Jones is from Byron, Michigan. They're returning to the great state of Michigan this weekend to compete at their home track, michigan international speedway a total of 101 different drivers in nascar national series history have their home state recorded as michigan and 10 of the 101 or 9.9 percent have won at least one race in the nascar national series michigan drivers have combined to win 162 national series races led by rfk racing's brad keselowski who won a combined 75 NASCAR National Series races, nearly half of the state's total. That's amazing. Brad Keselowski has the 35 Cup wins, 39 Xfinity, and one Truck Series win, 75 total. Paul Goldsmith had nine Cup Series wins. Eric Jones has 19 combined wins, including three in Cup, nine in Xfinity, and seven in Trucks. Johnny Benson has one Cup Series win, three Xfinity, and 14 Truck Series wins for 18 total. Tim Fedowa has four Xfinity wins. Butch Miller has two Xfinity and one Truck Series win for a total of three. Tracy Leslie has that one Xfinity Series win. Jack Sprague has one Xfinity but 28 Truck Series win for a total of 29. Carson Hosevar has his three Cup Truck Series wins. Bob Keselowski has one Truck Series win. That leads up to the 162 total wins, 48 in Cup, 59 in Xfinity, and 55 in Trucks. Next to Martin Truex Jr.'s 32 winless starts at Michigan, Brad Keselowski has made the second most starts among active drivers at Michigan without a trip to Victory Lane at 25. But in his 25 previous starts, he's put up seven top fives and 13 top tens, including three runner-up finishes in 2012, 18, and 22. His average finish at the track is 12.640, that's six best among active drivers. Legacy Motor Club driver Eric Jones has the third most combined NASCAR National Series wins. a driver from Michigan with 19 victories behind only Kazlowski at 75 and Jack Sprague from Spring Lake, Michigan with 29. Jones has made 10 Cup Series starts at Michigan posting one top five, a third in 2017 and two top tens. He finished eighth in this event last year and his average finish at the two mile speedway is 15.7 that's 11th best among active drivers so uh, both of those drivers are looking to get that win in the cup series this weekend
1: when we look at the cup series race to the playoffs it's a four for four deal we have four races to go and there is four open postseason spots the 2023 nascar cup series season has produced 13 different cup winners which is tied with the 1988, uh, 2000, the 01, and 21 seasons for the third most winners through the first 22 races of a season in the modern era, and that runs from 1972 to the present. Now, with Shane Van Gisberger not being eligible for the postseason, 12 drivers have earned their spot in the playoffs, leaving just four spots still up for grabs, as the season heads to Michigan International Speedway for race number 23 of the year. So that leaves just four races remaining in the NASCAR Cup Series regular season, and tensions are running high in the garage area for the competitors that haven't secured their spot in the postseason. Currently, the final four remaining transfer playoff spots on points are occupied by Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick. He's in 13th. 182 points above the cut line. RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski is 14th, and he's got 151 points in the bank. 2311 Racing's Bubba Wallace is 15th. He's uh, 54 points above the cut line, and then Front Row Motorsports' Michael McDowell is in that final spot at 16th. He's only 18 points to the good. Heading into Sunday's race at Michigan International Speedway, several former winners at the track will be looking to return to Victory Lane this weekend, especially those that are winless on the year. Of that group, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick bolsters the most success at the two-mile track with wins in all three of NASCAR's National Series, including the series most among active drivers at six in the NASCAR Cup Series. He also has a victory in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2003, as well as the Truck Series in 2011. Harvick and Kyle Busch are the only two active drivers with win in all three of NASCAR's National Series coming at Michigan. When we look at RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski, though, there two wins. Richard Childress Racing's Austin Dillon has one. College Racing's I.J. Almendinger has one and then Joe Gibbs, Racing, Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs have won. Each have NASCAR Xfinity Series victories at Michigan International Speedway, and all four need to win this season to get into the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Last year's Cup race, Keselowski finished 15th, Bill in 13th, and Ty Gibbs finished 10th, while A.J. Allmendinger did not compete in the event. A 2311 Racing's Bubba Wallace and Stuart Haas Racing's Eric Almarola, they each have NASCAR Craftsman Chuck Series wins at Michigan, and they're looking for their first wins of the 2023 NASCAR Camp, Cup Series campaign. Last year's race, Almarola finished 34th due to an incident, while Wallace finished runner-up to Kevin Harvick. Some
0: information there. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick has one last shot at going back-to-back at Michigan. Needing a win to secure his spot in the playoffs this season, Kevin Harvick revisits Michigan with hopes of returning to victory lane this weekend, making it back-to-back victories at that two-mile facility. Now, Harvick is one of 11 different drivers to win consecutive Cup Series races at Michigan, and this weekend he's looking to get his second set of back-to-back wins. He earned his first in the consecutive Michigan races during the pandemic in 2020. With Harvick announcing his retirement at the end of this season, this will be his last run at the two-mile track. Drivers with consecutive wins at Michigan include Bobby Allison had a 71 sweep, David Pearson a 72 sweep, and then also a, a win in 73, and then he swept 74 to 75. Kyle Yarborough has that eighty-three sweep. Bill Elliott has an eighty-five sweep, along with an eighty-six sweep. Bobby Labonte swept in ninety-five. Mark Martin won from ninety-seven and ninety-eight. Ryan Newman between the two thousand three and two thousand four season. Greg Biffle between two thousand four and five, and again in twelve to thirteen. Kyle Larson won three straight at Michigan between 2016 and 17, and Kevin Harvick, 2019, and he has two wins in 2020. The only driver to win in consecutive days at a single track. The 47-year-old from Bakersfield, California, Harvick, is currently ranked 13th in the Cup Series Playoff Outlook. He's 182 points ahead of Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs. who sits in 17th, the first spot outside The postseason cutoff In 22 starts this season Harvick has put up one stage win He also has 6 top 5 And 10 top 10 finishes Last year Harvick Only led the final 38 laps Of the race After taking the lead Coming off pit road During the final caution of fifth stops He would hold on To win his 6th race At the track The most among active drivers in total, Harvick has made 42 starts at the two-mile track. He's posted six wins in 2010, 18-19, one in 2020, and again in the second race in 2020, and also in 2022, including four of the last five races. 16 top fives, 22 top tens, and his average finish at Michigan is at 10.952, second best among active drivers. So Harvick might be a good bet for this weekend.
1: He certainly has the statistics to back it up and would be nothing greater than doing that in his final year here in the uh, Cup Series. But as usual, Michigan's Irish Hills welcomes the NASCAR Cup Series. Now Victory Lane has been a rotating door this season with 13 different NASCAR Cup Series winners through those 22 races, and then excluding Shane Van Ginsberger, who was ineligible for the postseason, 12 of those winners securing their spot in the playoffs heading into this Sunday's Firekeepers Casino 400 at Michigan International Speedway. And that includes last weekend's race winner and the Richmond Raceways winner, Chris Busher. So now with four races left in the regular season, each of these final starts are imperative for contenders to position themselves in a good place as the postseason approaches. Challenging the competitors this week, though, will be the massive Michigan International Speedway, which sits on more than 1,400 acres in the Irish hills of southeastern Michigan. Groundbreaking for the facility took place back on September 28, 1967, and the two-mile asphalt-paved track with 18 degrees of banking on the turns was created, with the only track with these dimensions on the schedule. The first NASCAR Cup Series race at Inter- Michigan International Speedway was held on June 15, 1969. The event was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Cale Yarbrough, driving a Wood Brothers number no. 21 Mercury at an average speed of 139 point two five four miles per hour the nascar cup series events at michigan international speedway have been multiple have been run at multiple different lengths Look back at the first nascar cup series race at michigan it was 500 miles in length and the second was scheduled for 600 but was shortened due to weather and only ran 330 miles michigan was remeasured then to 2.04 miles for the last race in 1970 and both races in 1971, with the race distance then being 402 miles. All other NASCAR or all other races have been scheduled for 400 miles, except the two 2020 races during the pandemic that were 312 miles each and run on consecutive days. The Michigan International Speedway has hosted a total of of a 105 NASCAR Cup Series races and that's produced 51 different pole winners and 39 different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson leads the series in wins at Michigan with nine victories. Those are, were in 1969, 72 sweep, 73, 74, 75 and then a 76 sweep and again in 1978. Mention Kevin Harvick, his uh, 2010 18, 19, 2020, the first race, 2020, or I'm sorry, both in 2020 uh, as he won on the consecutive days, and then 2022, that leads all active series drivers and wins at Michigan with six victories. Uh, Six of the 39 NASCAR Cup Series race winners at Michigan are active this weekend. Kevin Harvick mentioned his six wins. Joey Logano also has three in 2019, 16, and 13, as well as Kyle Larson, who did the 2017 sweep and then had another one in 16. Denny Hamlin's picked up a pair in 2010 and 11. Ryan Blaney got one in 2021. And Kyle Busch back in 2011. When we look at the pole position, a total of 51 different Drivers have qualified on the pole at, Inter- pole at Michigan International Speedway in the NASCAR Cup Series. That is also led, though, by NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson with a total of 10. About these same years, 1969, the 74 sweep, 75, 76, the 77 sweep, and the sweep in 78 as well, and one more in 1979. And Joey Logano leads all the active NASCAR Cup Series drivers and poles at Michigan. He has four, 2013, the 2016 sweep, and 2019. And seven of the 51 NASCAR Cup Series Michigan pole winners are active this weekend. Joey Logano with his four. Brad Keselowski has a pair, 2019 and 17. Bubba Wallace, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, and J.J. Yaley have one each. Uh, LeGon, or I'm sorry, Wallace's came in 2022, Danny Hamlin in 18, Larson in 17, Harvick in 14, and J.J. Yaley back in 2007. On the NASCAR Cup Series on-track activity, that's going to kick off with a practice on Saturday, August 5th, 12.35 p.m. Eastern Time. it will be directly followed by Bush Light Pole qualifying at 1.20 p.m. Eastern Time at Michigan International Speedway. Both events can be viewed on NBC Sports app starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The first starting position is the most proficient starting position in the field, as it's produced more NASCAR Cup Series winners, 22, than any other starting position at Michigan International Speedway. 21 of the winners from the poll and one from the first starting position due to qualifying being canceled, that was Bill Elliott in 1985. Most recent driver to win from the poll at Michigan, that goes to Joey Logano in 2019. The deepest in the field that a race winner has started at Michigan is 32nd, and that goes to another NASCAR Hall of Famer, Mark Martin, coming back in the spring of 2009.
0: Wow. Uh, a lot of really good information in all of that. Um, th- As we think about uh, moving on to our Hot Topic Soundoff in about eight minutes here, I wanted to cover uh, some of the uh, news that has uh, come out as well. One of the big news stories uh, this week is NASCAR announcing the Hall of Fame class for 2024, as well as the Landmark Award. But uh, the big question was answered, and it was a no-brainer, I guess, for the uh, group. Uh, driver Jimmy Johnson and crew chief Chad Knauss are voted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame on their first ballot.
1: Yeah, I know there's a, the discussion now is why Jimmy Johnson wasn't unanimous, and we look back, neither was Jeff Gordon. Um, there's always those that have a, a little bit varying opinion, but I think overall you knew they were going to get in both Jimmy Johnson and Ch- Chad Knauss as a pair. Uh, When you talk about seven championships, that ties Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. I mean, you you just can't argue against that.
0: Exactly. Um, And then also, in addition to Chad Knauss and uh, Jimmy Johnson, um, there were some other people that were inducted. Donnie Allison, a member of NASCAR's famed Alabama gang, and an ambassador of the sport for more than 50 years uh, was inducted. And then the Landmark Award for Outstanding Contributions to NASCAR, Janet Guthrie. Uh, also, uh, she moved on from a very successful career as an aerospace engineer in the early 1960s, trading equ- equations for the wheel to become a full-time racer in 1972, a true pioneer in motorsports. Guthrie became the first woman to compete in NASCAR's Super uh, Premier Series uh, in the Super Speedway race when she drove to a 15th place finish in the 1976 World 600. So uh, both, both of those uh, drivers very worthy of being inducted into NASCAR's Hall of Fame. All four of those people, I think, are very worthy. Well, and
1: I, and I think the pioneer category and the landmark award were the two where it really was a, had to be a lengthy discussion when it came to um, the voting because that one had some really great uh, nominees within those categories that I think was really tough to distinguish as far as at least at the top of the list. Again, everybody is worthy that's on the list and been nominated. It's a matter of who is most deserving to go in right here today. Or yesterday, as it will, but now um I think those two categories were extremely tough to differentiate
0: I, oh the these other two candidates that were inducted, and I apologize for the dog noises here um but uh the these two candidates had the very um real possibility of being overshadowed by jimmy Johnson and chad Chad canals. Um, But I think Donnie Allison and Janet Guthrie will both stand on their own as very worthy uh, uh, Hall of Fame members.
1: They do. And any time you have any kind of ceremony like this, you have what they call the headline, and that's obviously going to be Jimmy Johnson. You know, I mean, it's one of those discussions. It's great to have offline of what what would they have done if they were separate? I know Race Hub kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, it's an unknown possibility, but just thinking about if they hadn't been together, how each would, one of them would have done, but it doesn't matter. They they were together and they did it together and they were strong together. So that's what we're celebrating.
0: And then another thing I don't know if we want to talk about this one in Hot Topics or not, but a lot of people will recognize the name Patricia Driscoll. Uh, She actually pled guilty in federal court five years after her guilty verdict was overturned on appeal by a technicality. Patricia Driscoll, now 45, is scheduled to plead to a three-court superseding information in the federal court that will take place 4 p.m. on Wednesday, Wednesday. Uh, in Washington DC, Driscoll was once accused former NASCAR champion Kurt Bush of causing her physical harm after she entered his motor coach uninvited following their romantic break- breakup. Saw that case tossed out for lack of evidence by prosecutors in Delaware. Uh, it wasn't the first time Driscoll claimed to be a victim of abuse as court records in multiple states dating back decades. Contained similar claims against multiple men. She used her connections in NASCAR to help build the coffers of the charities she ran, the Armed Forces Foundation. And according to court records obtained by Kicking the Tires, Driscoll will agree that she willfully failed to keep financial records and make personal purchase from eBay using AFS credit card. This is a violation of Title 26, the U.S. Code section. 7203, and she will plead guilty to failing to keep tax records for another company she ran, Frontline Defense Systems, as part of the second count in federal information. So um, Patricia Driscoll finally being held accountable.
1: Well, that's one of those that you said whether or not it was a hot topic. I personally don't think so and didn't even care to discuss it. But as journalists and media representation, it is news. So we do have to share it and talk about it. I'm going to leave it up to the court system. Uh, we see it's been, what did you say, five years this has been in the process. I know we covered it back when it involved Kurt Bush and any link that he had to it. And that all got settled and kind of went away um, as far as our perspective from here at fan for racing um, But it has resurfaced. And like I said, all I'm going to say is I'll let the courts do their thing and pray that justice prevails. Yes, I
0: agree. Um, Also, uh, some uh, testing of the short track package took place at Richmond this weekend, and uh, that one I'm sure we will talk about probably on our Hot Topics sound off. And then Shane Van Gisbergen is going to make his uh, NASCAR return to Indy, uh, and so that's been good news. this week.
1: Yeah, and these are most certainly on the list of hot topics, and I'm sure we will hit on. I want to give a big shout-out to uh, Tommy Kraft. He was on with us on Monday night, and he mentioned this um, when it came to where Shane Van Gisberger may go if he comes into the NASCAR s- series next year, uh, whether it be full-time or part-time. He made the connection to Nice Motorsports, being that's where Ross Chastain, Trackhouse house racing driver, runs a lot of times and I really didn't see that, but it made sense. So big shout out to Tommy for kind of seeing that.
0: Well, absolutely. Yeah, that was uh he did bring that up, but again, just making sure everybody uh, hears the news that's uh, kind of out there and those top headlines. Um, let's go ahead. It is time for a hot topic sound off discussion and uh, joining us, I believe we have Mike Orzel here. Welcome to the show, Mike.
2: Hello. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm going to preface this with a, a preemptive apology. I am driving right now, uh, so if you hear some background road noise or some unreliable signal, that is a function of what I'm up to right now, so just bear with
0: me. Yes, indeed. And I'm uh, down in Texas this week, and uh, we've got three dogs in the house. So if there's some background noise from the dogs here, uh, please uh, accept our apologies on that as well. Uh, Joining us shortly will also be uh, Brian Everly, one of our regulars here on uh, Hot Topics. But Mike, uh, why don't you get us started with the first Hot Topic here?
2: Well, I heard you guys kind of tip it a little bit uh, prior to starting this segment. But, yeah, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, was officially announced that he will be running a Nice Motorsports truck the weekend of the Indianapolis Road Course. So I believe that's two weeks from now. This weekend's Michigan. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Indianapolis is the following weekend from there. Um, he will uh, he'll be running the Cup Series race on the Indianapolis road course in the Project 91 car. That was already previously announced. But this week, we found out that he will be running a nice motorsports truck at IRP. That's significant because that will be the first time that Shane Van Gisbergen has a a race in an oval track and also, obviously, his first race in a NASCAR truck series vehicle.
0: Okay. So, um... And that's our first hot topic. Also joining us for hot topics today is Brian Everly and he is uh in the house at this point. So uh first of all, welcome to the show, Brian.
3: Hey guys, how's it going? How's your how's your Thursday?
0: We're talking about Shane Van Gisbergen uh racing uh at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. i was pretty excited to see that announcement, actually. I mean, obviously, we know he's going to run the Indy Road course. Talked that He might try to run NASCAR next year in some capacity. Um, obviously, the Ovals will, will be a big change in challenge for him, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he does in a truck. Um, East is obviously a solid team, so he's not getting a backmarker equipment, so that's great. I mean, I don't think he will see the success that he did right off the bat with a cup car on a street course, but I am very excited to kind of see how he does and how he stacks up and, you know, who he can learn from. And I think it's just kind of fascinating when you bring, you know, those worlds together, you're going to have a lot of supercar people that are probably going to watch a truck race potentially for, you know, maybe the first time in their life. So I think that'll be, uh, that'll be pretty cool.
0: Okay. Yeah, your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Brian already hit on it. And I think Mike kind of alluded to it. It's twofold. Uh, the fact that we're going to see him on an oval track for the first time, um, and that's one of the reasons he mentioned even in his uh, interview with the Australian media when he said coming over to the cups or coming over to the states for NASCAR, it's not about jumping into full-time for a cup season schedule yet because he's limited on oval track experience. And to see him getting that second off being in a truck, um, obviously any racing of any form is beneficial. Maybe the trucks don't necessarily correlate to the Cup Series, which I'm sure is where his target is anyway, but it's still experience. And for Nice Motorsports, uh, I think that's huge. We've seen Ross Chastain, as Tommy mentioned, Ross Chastain, when he goes into the Truck Series, that's generally who he drives for, what he can do in that truck. So we'll see. Uh, you know, to, Brian mentioned it. We know he's good at road courses and in stock cars. So the Chicago street race wasn't necessarily completely out of the realm of picking up that victory. Uh, a little bit surprising, but not completely, seeing how well he does in a truck and in a, on a oval track and it being a short track. I think you're going to see maybe uh, what a lot of times drivers say, the aggression you see from uh, the NASCAR drivers when it comes to uh, short track or road course. I think that'll be in full force at IRP, so we'll see how he handles that as well.
0: They're taking words right out of my head here because uh, I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, I think it's fantastic that he's getting an opportunity to race uh, in a truck at uh, IRP. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit, about the possibility of him racing full-time next year, and we said it would be best if he were to get some experience in either the truck series or the Xfinity series. So uh this is kind of proving out a little bit with his chance here in the truck at IRP. Uh So, yeah, I don't expect him to do as well as he did, uh similar to what Brian said. Uh, he did really well on the street course i think uh that was uh uh a little bit of a surprise, but not really because he's so good in the uh sports cars that the you know the super series that he races in uh so it makes sense that he would do well in a stock car on a street course but um I, I do think that it's going to be a little bit different in the truck series. Uh, the trucks have a completely different aerodynamics to them. Uh, they're racing a short track and, uh, it, it, this oval experience is going to be a new experience for Shane Van Gisbergen. So, uh, I think, uh, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun and not to mention the aggression, uh, that, uh, Jay talked about. Uh, they, they are very aggressive in this series. And it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, I don't know what you're going to call it, but a surprise maybe for Shane Van Gisbergen to experience that because I think everybody was pretty polite uh, when they were racing at at, uh, Chicago Street Race. But the Cup Series was a little more aggressive than the uh, Xfinity Series was on that track. So um, we'll see what happens. I I think it's going to be fun to watch. Mike?
2: I think somebody's getting a reality check this weekend, but I have absolutely no idea who is going to be getting that reality check. On one hand, Shane Van Gisbergen could be getting a reality check where these NASCAR guys aren't so easy to come in and steal their lunch money like he did in Chicago. Uh, like you guys said, that Chicago street race was pretty much dropped right into his lap in terms of experience. Uh, the NASCAR Cup Series cars are very similar to the V8 supercars that he's used to running in Australia, as well as the fact that they run a lot of street races in that series as well. So if you were to make a race that was tailor-made for a guy like Shane Van Gisbergen, you'd have a tough time doing a better job than dropping a race like the Chicago street race in his lap. So this is going to be his first exposure to quote-unquote real NASCAR racing, short track, oval track. With the truck series, which you guys have noted, have uh, sometimes more aggression than skill, if we're going to put it diplomatically there. Guys drive over their head in that series a lot. On the other hand, the NASCAR world could just as easily be getting a reality check that Shane Van Gisbergen is the real deal, and this guy's coming, and we better watch out for him. Uh, I don't necessarily mean that he has to win the race in order to provide that, but if he comes out and puts out a decent showing on, like we said, his very first experience in a NASCAR race on an oval track That should be a wake-up call to everybody in the NASCAR world that this guy's for real and he's coming. He's already said he's doing NASCAR in 2024. We don't know where he's going to land. Justin Marks has been somewhat coy about maybe him landing full-time at Trackhouse. There's a lot of moving pieces involved with that, obviously. First and foremost being, are they going to obtain another charter for Trackhouse to expand to a three-car team? Uh, We also know that the number 31 for Colleague Racing in the Cup Series has recently come open, and to my knowledge, there has been nobody announced who's going to be going into that number 31 car at Colleague Racing. The other thing that we haven't seen yet is Shane Gisberg is in town. He's already going to be running the Cup Race, and he's running the Truck Series race. Maybe they find him in Xfinity Series ride as well. So I'm really interested to see how that pans out. We might be seeing an SVG 3 Pete, And there's the other reality check going where Jeff Burton is going to have to pronounce that name on
3: two days in a row.
0: <laughs> okay, Brian.
3: That's a good point, though. I'm sure they put Jeff through some courses already to, uh, to get that name down. Um, yeah, I think um, you make a good point there. I'm um, about potential teams for him, too. I think, obviously, and what they're doing, that's kind of a perfect fit. I think Colling is another great fit. I mean, Matt Colling and Chris Rice pairing up with A.J. is a teammate, even if A.J. drops back down to the Xfinity Series or whatever he does, I mean, that, that's a fun group to be around, too. So I think if, you know, I'm Shane and I'm looking at my options, I think either of those two Chevrolet teams are just, you know, Super fun, and, you know, Justin Marks and and Pipple are kind of changing the game from team ownership. So I think, you know, if you're looking at options, I think those are two very juicy potential ones. Obviously, um, you know, Marks and them don't have a third charter, I believe, at this point, so that might take a little bit of work. But on the calling side, they do obviously have an open car with Haley going over to to Rick Ware. So who knows what could potentially be in the works. Um, Who knows how soon we'll see an announcement. But I think it's exciting, and I think it's going to, you know, draw some new fans in as well from the Supercar side of things.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear you transition to me. Um, Brian hit on the thing I was going to talk about here in round number two, and that is, is the fan base that it's bringing, uh, obviously making headlines already. And that's what you call striking while the iron is hot, both from NASCAR side on the marketing side of it, as well as Van Ginsberger, um, coming into, into NASCAR, We saw the attention he got. He won the race. Capitalize on that now, whether it be in Xfinity trucks, the cup starts. I'm sure he'll still get occasionally uh, making it happen. And, you know, we talked about this when he hinted at it and said, you know, yeah, he'd like to consider it or it's a possibility. We're seeing him make it happen this year already. He's declared he wants to be in NASCAR next year. where that be? Don't know yet. But he's showing, hey, I'm coming uh, and like Mike said, I'm coming and I'm going to be here. We'll see where it happens and how, uh, uh, what kind of schedule he gets. But he's definitely making the commitment. And I think it's great for the sport as a whole and motorsports, not just here in the U.S., but across the world, as we know what kind of recognition he gets.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you guys all bring up excellent points. And, uh, I hadn't thought about colleague racing, uh, for, uh, Van Gisbergen, but I do think, uh, that's a, that's a real good idea for him and a certainly a potential spot for him to land. Um, in the Xfinity series, I think the Xfinity series would be the best series for him to start in. Uh, he's going to learn about aggression in the in the truck series but they can be Aggressive in the uh, Xfinity Series as well but I think the cars are more similar to what He'll experience in the cup series uh, And what he's used To experiencing in the supercar Series so um, I'm excited for it you mentioned Bringing in fans from uh, The supercar series and International fans at that As well so I Think it's uh, a good move uh, I applaud Excuse me, Trackhouse Racing uh, for coming up with the idea of the Project 91 and bringing Ben uh, Gisbergen to us, and uh, now I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Mike,
2: I'm with you. I can't wait to see how it plays out as well. Um, I flip a coin for how this thing's going to go. All right, He could just as easily get caught up in somebody else's mess. That happens a lot in the truck series as well. So we're going to have to be careful about how we read a 30th place finish. If he gets taken out by uh, Dean Thompson or Haley Deegan or some of the other more um, infamous truck series drivers, well, it's really hard to get a read on how that's going to go. But then again, like you guys have said, that Nice Motorsports truck, especially the 42 with Carson Hosevar, Nice Motorsports can put together competitive trucks. So if things go well for Shane Van Gisbergen and in terms of track position and not being caught up in buffoonery, I see him being very capable and I'm not going to start, I'm not going to pencil him in to win the race. However, I could see him being potentially pretty competitive here. And remember, that's just a stepping stone to what he's already said as a future career in NASCAR beginning as early as next year for the 2024 season in one of the major three series yet to be determined. So it should be really interesting to see how this pans out over the next few months
0: so Brian that brings you up for our next hot topic
3: oh that's a good one I wasn't ready to be put on the spot like that um what do we want to talk about I don't know someone else can pick I guess I I don't don't know if I have a good one on top of my head
0: okay Jay let's put you up for the next hot topic
1: well, we might as well uh, talk about it. I know there's not necessarily a whole lot to talk about, but the NASCAR Hall of Fame 2024 uh, inductees were announced. Jimmy Johnson, Chad Canals, uh, Don Allison, and then Janet Guthrie as the landmark award winner.
0: Oh. Huh?
2: Sorry, Sharon, you broke up there. Uh, who did you go throw it off to?
0: Um, you. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, yeah, I would say there were no surprises here. Um, there were obviously plenty of very deserving names, as there always are, on the, the Hall of Fame ballot for this year. But realistically, how are you going to turn down a seven-time champion with a seven-time crew chief? Uh, 84 career wins. Uh, it, it's really hard to say that Jimmy Johnson shouldn't be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. I think the bigger surprise is it wasn't unanimous. I think Bob post that it was like 93% for Canales, uh, for and eighty six percent for Johnson again, don't quote me on those numbers, but the, the bottom line it was, it was not unanimous there, um, but other than that, I would say not really a surprise to see Jimmy Johnson. You kind of got a feel for a guy like Ricky Rudd or Jeff Burton, who I would say are deserving of Hall of Fame uh, induction as well. However, every year it seems like a new driver or crew chief or, or other people become eligible. And they end up cutting the line right in front of deserving guys like Jeff Burton and Ricky Rudd, who have been on the ballot year after year after year and just end up getting surpassed by these bigger-name individuals who become eligible. It is what it is. That's kind of the nature of how this Hall of Fame system works, but there there you go. With regard to Donnie Allison, uh, Jay and I talked about this a little bit in the group chat, but it doesn't surprise me that Donnie uh, was inducted as well. Again, very deserving names on the list of nominees, but Donnie has been very active lately in terms of appearances at Talladega and Darlington and the NASCAR 75 Heritage stuff. So not really a surprise to see Donnie inducted, and this is just a theory on my part, but Donnie's still with us, but his health isn't the best um and who knows how many years we've got left with him enjoy him while we can and maybe the idea was to get donnie inducted while he was with us to enjoy it and if that's the case i'm really happy to see that happen while he's still with
0: us okay brian your thoughts
3: yeah i agree you can't argue with any of those selections i like the fact that jimmy and chad are going to go in together that seems fitting obviously it's baffling that there's four people that wouldn't have voted for jimmy johnson to make the hall of fame um you know just kind of crazy um i know there's a lot of eggs on social media about it. it kind of one of the things you get upset about and kind of move on but i mean yeah, obviously johnson should have been a unanimous selection i mean the four people that didn't pick him. i'd love to hear their their explanation or their rationale of them and they crave attention i don't know uh, it doesn't really make any sense to me but um it is what it is obviously johnson chad and donnie all belong in there so it'll be a, i think a really good induction ceremony um coming up um, um next year when they do it or later this year i forget what it actually is um but yeah it should be it should be great
0: okay yeah i I too am very happy to see uh Chad Canos and Jimmy Johnson together. um The only thing that I can think of, and I'm speculating I have no inside information whatsoever, so please take this as speculation on my part, is that <clears throat> there's always been a little bit of a cloud uh over the the uh son of Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canuse. Uh, for the number of penalties that they've earned over the number of years that they've won the seven championships. Uh, I do think that they've, you know, done remarkable uh, work within NASCAR to win those seven championships. But that's the only thing I can think of as to why people might have not wanted to vote for them uh, to be in together uh, on that first ballot. <clears throat> but I would think it would be Knauss uh, that would get that uh, that nod instead of Jimmy Johnson because, let's face it, Jimmy Johnson is not the guy uh, that is uh, putting that car together uh, to earn those penalties. Uh, the other thought that I had is uh, Jimmy Johnson is always accused of being too vanilla and doesn't have the personality but I kind of disagree with that analysis. Uh, I think Jimmy Johnson uh, does a lot for this sport and I don't see him as being vanilla at all. Um, but those are the only two things I can think of that might have influenced the voting uh, by those members. Um, but one of the other thoughts that struck my mind as I heard the announcement is that Donny Allison is certainly worthy of uh, being in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and it's about time uh, that he was voted in. Uh, and Janet Guthrie as well. I think for Jimmy Johnson, it's very easy for those two spots to be overshadowed by Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals. But I think that Donnie Allison and Janet Guthrie, their accomplishments stand on their own, and uh, hopefully will not be overshadowed uh, by the other two. Uh, I think that they are very, very worthy, and uh, I'm happy for all of the uh, Hall of Fame inductees uh, for this class of 2024. So those are just some uh, top-of-the-line uh, thoughts that I had. I'll cover more on the follow-up. But, Jay, what are your thoughts? <coughs>
1: oh, excuse me. Well, one of those, when it, when it comes to the whole unanimous decision, I mean, there is a million and one reasons. Uh, somebody that called into Dave Moody's uh, Sirius XM radio show, Speedway Motorsports, you know, they said they weren't in favor of Jimmy because they're, a, they're not a Chevy guy. They're a Ford guy. There's reasons. People have their reasons. Whether they're valid or not, that doesn't make a difference. Now, when you talk about the voting committee that is on the the panel for NASCAR that makes these decisions, they're professionals, and they do have a higher standard as far as we're not going to vote for them because they don't like the way they look or they're, they're too vanilla. But there are still some reasons, uh, we'll call them, that people may not. You know, Sharon mentioned a couple of of the fact that Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals definitely pushed the envelope when it came to uh, – how their car ran or what they were doing with the car. So that may very well be. Uh, some people have different opinions on whether a driver has talent or they're given the right opportunity and ride. I mentioned this in, in, as we led into the show. A lot of people question whether or not either one would have been successful had they been with somebody else and not paired together. We can't answer that. We know they were together and together they were magic and that's what earned them that spot. And they got in, as we knew they would. So, to me, whether or not it was unanimous, I think it's kind of a ridiculous discussion. Uh, I know it still provides great Twitter feeds, but they're in. Uh, You know, whether it was unanimous, again, that one person, maybe he mischecked the box. You know, we don't know. Like I said, I know they're professionals. That probably isn't what happened. But, you know, that's always a possibility that they just missed it. Don't know. And it's not important to me anyway. But they both got in. The... One that I have a little bit of, and I don't want to say issue, because as as is pointed out, everybody on the list is deserving. It's a matter of when and compared to everybody else. Uh, I got nothing but respect for Donnie Allison, what he had done in motorsports specifically for NASCAR. I learned some things, as Tommy pointed out, you know, when when you hear and read about these when they're nominated, there's things you didn't know. Uh, he was first one to do the Indianapolis 500 as far as a NASCAR driver. So that was certainly interesting. I just felt like maybe there were a couple of the others in that category that should have gone in first. Uh, that's how I'll put it. Um, but there is, there is no wrong answer when it comes to this, because Donnie Allison, the, the Alabama gang, obviously a great history when it comes to NASCAR, its foundation and beginning days. So again, there is no wrong answer per se.
0: Okay, up next is Mike for your follow up.
2: Well, kind of. You you hinted at why uh, it wouldn't be a unanimous selection. I agree with Jay. It's really it's semantics, and it, it, but it is always a head scratcher. If you're not going to vote for Jimmy Johnson, what more do you want? And like we we already established his resume. There's really nothing to, to say. Unless you really want to hold his last few years and the series against him, which is unfair, because you look at guys like uh, Richard Petty or Darrell Waltrip, no one's going to say that they weren't deserving of the Hall of Fame, and both of their careers, uh, they had much longer dry periods towards the end of their career than even Jimmy Johnson did. It's really hard to hold that. said, Sharon, if it has to do with the shenanigans, I don't think that Jimmy Johnson is really it would be fair to penalize him for that, especially not to penalize him more than Chad Knapp's. So I don't know that the shenanigans that they were accused or even you know proven to have done really played that much of a role in the voting as well. As far as Jay's point about the inseparable pairing, it's again, that's really hard to say. Sometimes you just have that magic that occurs. You think of not just Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, but Jeff Gordon and Ray Evernham when they were starting out. They were unstoppable. Uh, further back, Richard Petty and Dale Ingram, again, unstoppable. Would they have been as successful individually without the other one present? It's really hard to say. But it's probably unlikely. Something just clicked really well with those individuals, that, that, those pairings, and we got the results we got. And the sport is better because of it. Very, very deserving inductees, including Donnie Allison as well. And I'm very happy with how this class panned out this year.
0: Okay, Brian, your follow-up.
3: Yeah, I think that all um, all makes sense, and you know, I, I echo what everyone else said as we went around the around the horn there. I think all three are great, great duckies, and I think, yeah, there's no way you can make an argument against, you know, Jimmy. You, could, you know, when he comes to somebody like maybe Kyle Bush, you could say he was rough around the edges earlier in his career, maybe not the most quarter person to deal with. Jimmy was one of the most down-to-earth, nicest guys. It's still one of the most down-to-earth, nicest guys out there. Um, just everything he's done for the sport. Um, you know, aside from some people not loving seeing the same guy win seven times, or right? it's like the Yankees, not everyone likes the Yankees. There's no way you can't say Jimmy Johnson's one of the best to do it under the current format. People make you know, the championship format argument that, that that doesn't matter. That was the format at the time. He was the best there was to do it at that time. He definitely belongs in the Hall of Fame and I it baffles me that anyone not anyone would not vote for him.
0: I agree. I think that um you guys all make greater points and I agree that it doesn't make sense that they would penalize Johnson and that Knauss on on uh, the shenanigans are there, so one hundred percent agree with you there. I I just think um, that it's good that they even if it was unanimous or wasn't unanimous, I think that they both deserve to be on that first ballot and and uh, should be in there. Um, there was one of the, the other thing about. Johnson that um, I don't know if they mentioned this or not. I have to go back and look, but Johnson is one of those people that won all those championships under different formats uh, and different cars. Uh, he went through a lot of different uh, generations of the car. He went through a lot of different formats uh, for how the champion was determined and won the championship under uh, whatever the format was, and so uh, that's kudos to both Johnson and Knauss, and you're right, it's it's the matching of the two people together that have that chemistry that made it work, and that's what makes it so fitting uh, that the two of them should be inducted together. So uh, I do wish and I do hope Uh, and I think, Mike, you brought this up earlier, that some of the other people that have been overlooked multiple times uh, will get their due uh, in time because they are certainly deserving as well. Uh, It's no secret that I'm a big fan of Jeff Burton, and uh, I I think that might be one of the reasons you mentioned his name. But I think he – and Ricky Rudd, uh, both of those guys – are certainly deserving of being in the NASCAR hall of fame too. And Jay, I think you mentioned it as well. Um, it's, it's sad to see get some of these guys get overlooked time after time. Uh, but I do think their time is coming. And uh, Donnie Allison is also certainly deserving. And I'm glad to see him get uh, voted in this year. So, but uh, those other ones, it, their their time is coming and hopefully uh they won't get overshadowed uh on future ballots so uh i'm i'm excited for janet guthrie i think it's been long overdue and i'm glad that she's uh, finally uh, one of those drivers that are being acknowledged this year and with that i'm going to go right into my announcement uh oh no i don't have to do that we're on a podcast so jay it's your turn
1: Well, speaking of shenanigans, uh, Sharon, it was you this time that took thoughts out of my head. You brought up the different format changes. I mean, some people really feel that NASCAR changed up the playoff format because Jimmy Johnson was dominating the way he was in his early championship runs. The different generations of cars, uh, you brought that up. They just continued to excel, uh, and that is huge. And, And we saw that. Like I said, however it happened, unanimous or not, him and Chad Knauss went in together, which again, some people uh, question whether or not they should have to go in together in order to be, we kind of figured they would uh, based on what we, what the statistics they have. And I just look at overall seven championships, five of them being cons- consecutive, no matter what the format or the car, that's still huge prior to that. Dale and I don't remember the years, you know, back into the 78, 79 era, that he had three consecutive. Um, I mean, that's unheard of. And he went five, total of seven. Only Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty have done that. I mean, that, that alone, you, you know, discussion's over in my opinion. But um, overall, like I said, there are no wrong answers. You know, everybody on these nomination lists, are deserving, so there is no real wrong answer, if you will, from my viewpoint. Um, So, yeah, uh, overall, happy with it. Uh, Like I said, uh, they definitely highlighting deserving drivers. So looking forward to the ceremony uh, when they have it, and I believe it's early next year. I know Brian mentioned that. I think it's early next year. I think they said they got eight or nine months uh, of enjoying and preparing for it.
0: All right, uh, Brian, I'm going to give you another chance here uh, to see if you've got a hot topic that you want to make sure we get covered <laughs> here today.
3: <laughs> yeah, I do have one One interesting one I think uh, that you guys shared in, the, in our team's chat was uh, the report by uh, Jordan Bianchi of uh, The Athletic, I believe earlier this week, that Nemechek could possibly be taken over um, for Gregson in the number 42 car next year. Obviously, we know that team is transitioning from Chevrolet to Toyotas. Um, Nemechek is obviously in a Toyota doing very well at the Trinity level, um, but, obviously, he struggled at the cup level. I think very similar to the situation Gregson's in now, right? I mean, he hasn't had too much of a chance to really get comfortable, I don't feel like, personally. I mean, he was great in Xfinity. He struggled in cup. Nemechek's been in cup before. He's struggled. He went back down. He did well in trucks. He's done well in Xfinity. He could very well struggle in cup again. But I think it, it, that would be a tough uh, tough break for Gregson just because I know, I know he's a little bit polarizing on everybody likes him. But I've always enjoyed watching him, talking to him, interviewing him, you know, his, his celebrations, um, his just excitement and just the way he goes about, about things. And he's really, really, really interactive with the fans too. And he's at the racetrack, which I think is great for NASCAR as a whole. Um, so interesting, I guess two parts there, do we think John Hunter makes sense to go in that car and then um, maybe just for fun, where would we speculate Gregson would go in
0: 2024? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, uh, I'm one of those i, I sorry right, you, you,
3: you go ahead. You, you start.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm one of those people who's not a huge fan of Noah Grayson. and that's pretty well uh, documented, but I'm going to kind of defend him a little bit here. Historically, he's been a slow starter. Every series that he started in, trucks Xfinity, and now Cup, it's taken him a while to really get up to speed. Um, He had several years in the truck series where he struggled before he finally started winning races. And the same thing in the Xfinity series, he had several kind of fruitless seasons, one or two wins before he really broke out last year and won several races. So it's somewhat unfair for him to, get plugged in the cup, he's in his rookie year, and Legacy Motor Club has been very down this year compared to where they were last year. It would be one thing if Eric Jones in the 43 was continuing to run up front like he was towards the the back half of last year, and Noah Gregson in the 42 was running where he is right now. That would be a different story, but the 43 is also struggling as well. So I think that's an equipment issue at Legacy Motor Club as much as it is a struggle of a rookie driver. So to cut Noah Gregson loose after one season, I understand it's business, and maybe there's a business reason for it more so than a driver performance reason, but it's still difficult to, uh, to see that happen to a guy like Noah Gregson, who I think if given the right opportunity and the right amount of time, he does have a potential to grow into a successful Cup Series driver. That may not be the case at Legacy Motor Club, so where could he go? We already talked about the Colleague Racing number 31 is open if he's going to stay in the Chevrolet camp. We know the Legacy Motor Club is moving to Toyota for next year, so perhaps Noah Gregson stays with Chevrolet and moves over to Colleague. Other than that, it's a big question mark. With regard to John Hunter Nemechek, that's another big question mark. Is he ready for Cup? He's done decently in the Xfinity Series, but he's not been the most consistent this year either. He's won several races, but he's also had several DNFs. Um, Is he ready for Cup? I don't think he's ready to to dominate the Cup series, that's for sure. But I think he'd do just as well in Cup maybe as Noah Gregson is doing right now. So we'll have to see where this settles out.
0: Okay. Sorry, I've been on mute. uh, So I apologize. Jay, are you still here?
1: Yeah, okay, I didn't know if you were going to go if you wanted me to go. Um, first off, I want to say, Brian, it's good to have you on the show uh, as somebody that also supports uh, Gregson. You heard Mike self-admit he's not necessarily a big Gregson fan, but defend him. And ironically here, I'm going to go the other side of, I think that it is a business decision, as Mike said. Toyota has showed they're behind John Hunter Nemechek, Uh When he went back to the truck series with Kyle Busch Motorsports under Toyota, and then Kyle Busch Motorsports went to Chevrolet. John Hunter Nemechek stayed with Toyota, went to the Xfinity Series in the Joe Gibbs uh, Racing umbrella. Um, I know there's some discussion about whether or not he's in mind to move into the Joe, Go- Joe Gibbs Racing, depending on what Martin Truex does. So it would be interesting to see if they pull that now. If Truex is going to come back, they want him up at the cup level and put him with Legacy Motorsports, which is switching over to Toyota. If that is the case, I understand their decision. But I'm with Mike. I hate to see it happen to anybody. Uh, Specifically, I am kind of a Gregson fan. Did only get the one year. And I think back to Daniel Hemrick with Richard Childress Racing. Um, Just wasn't given the opportunity. Uh, You know, making that jump to cup is no easy task. We've seen several drivers do good in their rookie year. And I think back to Cole Custer. He won in his rookie year. And after three years, he was have to move back to the Xfinity Series. That's another one that discussion comes up of, does he come back? John Hunter Nemechek's Cup Series with Front Row Motorsports, they were not at the level where they're at now. I think he helped bring them to that, and I always felt like maybe he should have stayed there another year or two to help continue to build that. His decision was he wanted to be with the winning organization now, and he did that, you know, I mean, he made the right decision for his career path. Front row motorsports has built on what that started and are doing so with Michael McDowell right now. And we know there's some things being kicked around with that team. So uh, it, it's a lot of revolving doors. And I, I think Tommy there too uh, brought this up. Mike hit on it. If that were to happen, I see Noah Gregson moving over to the college racing um, number 31, if they don't already have that slotted to somebody else, which we don't know. We just know Justin Haley will not be returning there. Um, so I think they have a plan in place. The fact that uh, Justin Haley already announced that he was going somewhere else. They obviously know they need to move on. I think they kind of have a plan. Whether or not it's Noah Gregson, that it remains to be seen. But I think Gregson will get another opportunity at the cup level because, it, like I said, it's it's only been one year. Uh, it's not been the best of equipment for him at Legacy Motorsports. So we'll see. Uh, to me, I think Gregson, aside from his stint with the uh, Cowbush Motorsports trucks, I think he has been more of a Chevrolet guy. So to see him stay with Chevrolet, I think, is the direction I see it going.
0: Jay, you're in my head. You made every point that I was going to try to make. (laughs) Uh, I agree. Uh, I don't like seeing a driver have one year and you're done uh, with any organization, but you're right. Uh, There's a lot of good reasons for why this particular move is happening. Uh, With the changeover from Legacy Motor Club to Toyota, uh, I think Toyota is very high On John Hunter Nemechek, and they want him in the Cup Series, and this is their chance to do that, Uh, and you know, uh, up the level uh, of what's happening at Legacy Motorsports. So we were all surprised when that move happened. uh, That. You'd never think that uh, that organization would go to Toyota, Uh, but I think there was a reason why that happened, and and John Hunter Nemechek is a big reason why. So I think that this is a decision that's kind of already been out there, and um, uh, so in that respect, uh, I don't think it is a big surprise. There's lots of different places that Nor Gregson could go to. Uh I agree that I think Chevy is more his forte. Uh he started out in Toyota. He did well with Toyota. Uh but they kind of uh, uh parted ways and I don't think Toyota wants him uh in that organization again. I think they want him out of the organization. And Chevrolet was a good fit for Nor Gregson. So uh I think that, that that's uh uh, one door closes Another door opens And I think for Noah Gregson That door very well could be an organization Like College Racing So we'll see what happens um, Time always tells the rest Of the story there uh, But um, As far as John Hunter and Nemechek Being ready uh, For uh, coming back to Cup I know even this last race he's He made mistakes And he does admit when he makes a mistake, uh, so I give him credit for that. That's the only thing that concerns me is sometimes it seems like he loses his focus and will make kind of uh head-scratching type of mistake, but um, uh, I think that if he can develop that focus, uh, I think he'll be better in the Cup Series and do well. I think he's ready for it. He just didn't, needs to develop that focus so he doesn't make those um, odd mistakes that happen every now and then. Brian?
3: Yeah, I think you guys have all hit all the major points. It's always tough, kind of when you when you go last, like you said on the panel, Sharon. Um, but I think uh, I honestly love the idea of Gregson going to Collig. Like I think him with. Um, Matt Colling, Chris Rice, AJ, that whole team, I think they'd have a lot of fun. I think you'll see that Colling Haller hitting up a lot of Waffle Houses after races next year back in the extending series. Um, also, though, I'm, I'm like we said, I'd love to see him get at least another year in Cup, but if, if that doesn't happen, I think that calling 31 car is a great opportunity for him to kind of dip back down and essentially maybe do what John Hunter did, you know, come back and go down back a level, continue to dominate down there, really build up that confidence and maybe run a partial cup schedule as well with, you know, Colleague and kind of what they've got, like that maybe gives him the opportunity to, to run some partial um, things like that as well. Um, you know, a lot of different options, um, I think, out there um, when it comes to Colleague, and I think that's really a good spot for him with his ties for Chevrolet and just the team and the environment and, and the way that, that thing uh, way that thing sets up.
0: And, yeah. Your follow-up?
2: Well, I just want to offer some clarity that this is not any kind of a done deal. We're talking about Noah Grayson like he's officially out at Legacy Motor Club. Nothing has been announced yet. This this came from Jordan Bianchi, who is is pretty well known for – not uh, not just making things up. So I would consider him a credible source, but at the same time, this is all rumors and conjecture. So if you are a Noah Gregson fan, don't start throwing your uh, your Noah Gregson merchandise, or at least number 42 merchandise, in the trash can. We don't know for sure that Noah Gregson is out at Legacy Motor Club. Again, nothing has been announced. With regard to that speculation, though, it's really difficult to say what uh, what's going to happen. Kid's the silliest season of the year, so it's really uh, – we're we're just getting into now when when teams start making their moves we're not even in the playoffs yet And there's a lot of teams that tend to hold their cars close to the chest until much, much later in the year. So we really don't know what's going to happen here in the future. We can be reasonably confident that the the entire driver lineup next year is not going to be the same as it is this year. But beyond that and a couple of confirmations that we've already received, for example, Josh Berry going into the four car, we already know, there's really not a whole lot of clarity on what some of those driver changes are going to look like for next year. So don't get too far involved in – what may or may not happen, because we simply just don't know yet, and we're going to have to wait and see. We're certainly going to revisit this topic again in a few months, but right now, Uh, the best thing for Noah Gregson to do is to try and build that resume at Legacy Motor Club to say whether they should keep him on there or if a team should try and pick him up next year, hey, I'm Noah Gregson, if you want to win races, hire me. That's really the only thing Noah Gregson's in control of right now, and hopefully he's able to parlay that into building a good resume to either stick around or move to a better opportunity elsewhere.
0: Okay, your follow-up. Well, uh, yeah, there's a lot
1: of different things. Sharon, you brought up a real interesting point I had to reflect on, and that was the relationship between uh, Noah Gregson and Toyota. Uh, I I was trying to think back if that was just what they listed as a mutually agreed to part ways, but there may be still some carryover from that. Um, So that would be an interesting aspect as far as legacy motorsports going to Toyota. We know they are backing John Hunter Nemechek, whether they are anti-Gregson or not. um, I don't know that we'd ever get that official word. But with that, one thing, uh, talking about pure speculation, if this were to all come out to play, Noah Gregson, as Brian mentioned, very good as a a public spokesman and uh, sponsor representative, has ties with um, Bass Pro and John Morris, Maybe he goes over to Richard Childress Racing and as Austin Dillon's uh, racing career winds up.
0: Ooh, that's an interesting thought. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, I I think that uh you're right. Noah Gregson has a lot of really great uh relationship Uh, with the fans. He's got a great relationship with his sponsors. And so I don't think it's going to be any problem for him to get a ride, uh, whether it's in the Xfinity series or the cup series. Uh, And I think, uh, uh, Mike, I want to thank you for bringing up that this is not a done deal uh, that this is pure speculation uh, that was uh, inspired by the article written by Jordan Bianchi. Um, But uh, uh I I do think that uh if this does come to pass uh it'll be a lot of what we're talking here are the reasons why uh but I agree with you nobody wants to throw out their uh uh, Gregson gear yet from Legacy Motorsports uh but uh if I know those fans they are not going to throw out any Gregson gear uh they're going to look for what's new and uh get that gear and wear it. So um, uh, <clears throat> I do think that uh, it's an interesting speculation and I think we've given some really good food for thought as it relates to that speculation. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what actually happens. Brian?
3: Yeah, I agree. It's fun to speculate, but it's probably it's still so far away. So i uh, probably give it a few more months and we'll probably get a little bit more clarity. Like I said, I have no reason to doubt. Um, Jordan's reporting. He's always um, one of the top-notch guys still um, left around the garage area, but it is, you know, pure speculation at this point. And it'll be, uh, interesting to kind of see how it develops. And then also you got to feel that has got to have an effect on Gregson this year too, right? Think about you and your job. If you don't know where you're going to be working in a few months, that wears on you and affects your performance as well. So uh, hopefully they can give him some clarity or maybe he has it. We just don't know. Right. But, um, hopefully he's got a little bit of clarity and maybe we can see him get some better runs here, pulled together, um, as we wind up the the 2023 season.
0: All right, Jay, we've got what, a little more than 10 minutes. Um, What are your thoughts about uh, one quick hot topic?
1: Well, I don't know if it'd be a quick one. I was trying to scroll down. I thought you mentioned that we hadn't talked about it. I thought we had, but the Xfinity series, uh, finding a home on, CW for next year is the only one that's officially been announced. If it was, I know it wasn't with this group. Um, Yeah, I don't know that you marked it off. So the CW is going to get the rights uh, for the Xfinity Series by itself for a seven-year deal starting from 2025 to 2031. And then also they are still working on the Cup Series and Truck Series, uh, whether that comes together as separate packages as they try to increase uh, their revenue. But we know that one, the Xfinity Series, the CW Network.
0: Okay. Brian, your thoughts about the CW and the Xfinity Series?
3: Yeah, I I love it. Honestly, I mean, I know a lot of us don't know, you know, CW, probably watch a lot of CW, maybe can't find the channel currently. But guess what? Come 2024, we're going to have no problem finding it figuring out where it is. I think, to me, it really simplifies things, right? Like, right now, NBC has great coverage, right? But you don't know if the race is going to be on NBC, USA Network, Peacock here or there trying to figure that out. And Granted, we all love motorsports. Right? We're going to figure it out no matter what, but maybe the more casual fan is going to be, I don't know, I don't care, I'm not going to watch it. Um, so it really gives a chance, and with a seven-year agreement, it really gives a chance to see what CW can do and build the brand around it. And I, didn't, I don't understand the whole deal behind everything, but NASCAR Productions is basically going to be the one producing all the stuff and kind of running everything out of this new facility they built in the Charlotte area. So I think, you know, you're going to see a very quality product on a station and, you know, a station that I believe is in like 100% of homes and maybe i'm wrong don't quote me on that but you know it's way more widely distributed i think than people think i know social media was a buzz right away and you know one one idiot tweets something and then all the other idiots uh, jump on or sorry i guess we don't say tweet anymore we x or whatever it might be but you know everyone just believes that and you kind of get that group think from there but once you figure out what the station is also it sounds like there's the app you can stream on the app like that sounds perfect to me i know anytime the xfinity race is going to be on xfinity practice is going to be on It's all going to be on CW. Um, I trust that NASCAR Productions will put a quality product out there. I really like it. I think it's good. Um, Obviously, it would be great if, you know, you had – one major station having all three series and everything in one spot. I don't think we're going to get that, obviously, but I think that's a great home for the Xfinity series seven-year agreement, and really allow them to kind of develop that and have that that true home where you know, bam, it's on you know, it's on CW. I'll admit, currently I have no idea what channel CW is in my Directv package, but when the time comes, I'll obviously have it saved as a favorite.
0: Mike.
2: Brian, you're a Chicago guy. Uh, you know as well as I do that that big, tall building downtown is never going to be the Willis Tower. It's always the Sears Tower. It's always going to be Twitter to me. Um, with regard very, to the true, CW, very true. <laughs> there you go. So with regard to the CW, this is kind of a surprise, right? Because they don't really have a pedigree when it comes to carrying sports content. We think of CW as some you know, great value superhero show kind of channel, teen dramas and reruns of other shows produced by other networks. We don't really think of them as a sports broadcasting network. So it's kind of a blank slate. Now, like you guys have said, theoretically, this is going to be built and produced by NASCAR. What that exactly means, I don't know. There's a small pool of people who are trained and experienced in terms of producing and broadcasting motorsports content, especially when it comes to the on-air personalities, you know, your booth people, your pit reporters, et cetera. So who, who is going to be those people that we get to see on a week-to-week basis? That's yet to be determined. As far as I know, there's been no... Uh, clarity as far as on-air talent or how the races are going to be presented pre- and post-race coverage. All those details are yet to be determined, and we probably won't know them for a little while. It is interesting, though, because it shows that NASCAR is looking outside of the boundaries of the so-called traditional sports networks in terms of how to present their product. We know that the, the negotiations for the Cup Series and the Truck Series are still in progress, and we really don't know anything to date as far as what direction they're going to go in. It sounds like there's still some pretty significant sticking points when it comes to the cost and whatnot uh, that has prevented the deal from being made up to this point. We might find out later afternoon that you have something coming to an agreement. They still have a little bit of time, but that that, that time is quickly drawing out. So. Hopefully by the end of this season, we get a little bit more clarity about where we're going to go from the 2025 season and onward with regard to the cup and the truck series. As far as Xfinity on the CW, I'll be cautiously optimistic. Like I said, it's a very blank slate. It's really hard to say, well, they did it in the past, and they were allowed to do. Well, they didn't do anything in the past, so we really don't know what to expect. It could be good. I hope it is good. I will say that the NBC coverage this year should be the model that they should follow. Uh, it has been—I I would say—the NBC product. I know we spoke glowingly about them earlier in the year when they first took over. And we were speculating maybe we would get a little bit of fatigue from their product. I would say the two months in that we are with NBC, both their Xfinity and their Cup Series product has been outstanding, and the Truck Series product on Fox continues to be, we'll say, lackluster to be radio-friendly about it. Um, So hopefully when the CW and whoever NASCAR Productions is putting in charge of actually making the Xfinity Series broadcast, whoever that they are uh, using to craft that product, they use the NBC model of we're going to talk about the racing, we're going to focus on the race that's going on on the racetrack, and we're going to be objective about it and present this as the elite-level sport that it is, as opposed to the Fox mess that we've got right now. So that gives me cause for optimism, but we're just going to have to wait and see what it looks like here, and, uh, starting with the 2025 season.
0: Yes indeed I agree I think that there is cause for optimism here I have a vision for what I think is happening and that's all this is I have no inside information I'm just reading between the lines if you will and uh you guys all remember the Speed Channel when NASCAR uh was very much involved they had a lot of different programming and uh ideas on uh you know different racing shows and uh it was a lot of fun however speed went to the wayside and ever since then i think a lot of fans have lamented that uh they want uh NASCAR to be in control of their product and that's what i see happening here <laughs> i think that they're going to cw for a reason they don't want to be influenced by espn fox or nbc or any other network, they're going to somewhere that is not uh, in sports at this point. Uh, it's going to be run by NASCAR Production, and I think that's going to be a positive thing. They can bring back trackside. I loved trackside when they had that. Um, uh, the 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 door is wide open for them, and it's wide open with CW, uh, and I think it's going to be a very uh, an agreement that's going to be beneficial to both NASCAR and the CW, I think it's going to bring a lot of NASCAR fans to that channel. Uh, I don't currently watch CW, but if NASCAR is going to be there, I'm going to be on that network, So, uh, and especially if they have other uh, programming uh, that is available about NASCAR. I think I'm going to be over at the CW. So I think that this is going to be a very positive move by NASCAR. Uh, Maybe bringing the Xfinity series into it from 25 to 31 uh, is just kind of tipping their toe in the water, if you will, to see how it goes. But um, I think it has the potential to be a very, very good agreement. And I think uh, taking NASCAR and in a direction that they've been longing for for quite a while uh, and get away from the big networks that they currently have uh, with NBC, which I think does put on a very good broadcast. Uh, I agree with Mike that they should follow that format versus the Fox format that I find to be a a little bit annoying at times. Uh, But – I think that uh, NBC has a way of focusing on what's happening at the racetrack and not the stories uh, behind the scenes uh, by the commentators. Uh, And all of those folks, I'm more interested in what's happening at the track. And I think that putting NASCAR productions in charge here uh, is going to move, continue to move us in that direction. I think it's very, very positive. The only bad news that I see in all of this is that um, uh, we have to wait another year before it all happens. But and I do like the idea of knowing where the Xfinity Series race is going to happen all year long and not having to mark my calendar for when that changeover takes place. I've longed for NASCAR uh, to be in that situation where they have one network that covers it all and it's all good. And I, on, I, I think this is a move in the right direction toward that. Jay, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I see a lot of positives across the board, and I think you've kind of all hit on them. One, the Xfin- for the Xfinity Series. Highlight that series alone, uh, I think, has always been deserving. We see some great racing there as names are made there. Uh, I know it's their slogan. Um, the one, one network, as you've said. And I do have some experience. I happen to know where the CW network is when it comes to my cable station. And I know I may open myself up to some jokes here, but that's where wrestling got its start when they went to a Friday night program. And CW has some experience with this of letting another team put together the package as WWE produces their own uh, programming and just put it on the CW network. And that led to them moving on to Fox sports one um, after their renewal. So I think CW felt that worked really well and it was looking for another block to fill and they're finding it in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So I think that fits well for them, and I think it, it showed that it does work as it led to another uh, bigger deal for them to move to, to Fox Sports 1. I am one of – I have nothing to say as far as NBC versus Fox Sports 1. I enjoy and appreciate the fact that there's coverage that I get to watch. Um, so I'm not going to get into that. But I do think, as Sharon pointed out, you go back to Speed Vision, that was NASCAR produced. I think that is a good way to go, um, integrating it with whatever company if they need to. I get it, and uh, that's part of, the, part of the deal we got to deal with. But I do think this is a huge thing across the board when it comes to NASCAR, the Xfinity Series, as well as, and I think Brian said it, and that was my understanding, the CW network is available in all homes as far as if you have any kind of television package it doesn't have to be an additional uh cable channel
0: i'm sorry brian your
3: follow-up oh sorry you cut out there i didn't hear yeah i think i echo all what you guys say i think it's a good move and i'm, I'm looking forward to uh to seeing it happen when it when it takes effect um into um, in the future. I think it'll be great. It'll also allow that on-air talent to potentially be there for the whole season too, right, where you've got, you know, Fox men and women half the year, NBC the other half the year. I think it'll just allow for a kind of that consistency throughout an entire season and not have this changeovers and the switches and things like that. I think it'll hopefully allow for a, a very smooth, very, very great product and You know, like you said, not to knock any of the broadcasts now. It's a lot of work that goes into all those, a lot of things that we don't even realize. But I think this will allow it to be even a little bit better than than what it is. So I'm looking forward to it.
2: You kind of brought up a good point about how this is NASCAR somewhat regaining control of the presentation of their product. And I think that's extremely important. We talked about it before where we were criticizing Uh, Fox with regard to how they're presenting NASCAR's product and it really highlights the issue here where yes this is NASCAR's product but they really don't have a control of right now they don't have control over how it's presented to viewers and it'd be almost like say you make a tool right You, you invent some new drill and you sell it exclusively through Home Depot for example and Home Depot is exclusively responsible for marketing that drill And they do a really lousy job with it. They do demos and the the, the demonstrator breaks the product and they're not able to to make it look like it, it, it works well. And that's kind of the situation where NASCAR is in right now, where they produce an excellent product. The racing has been very, very good for the most part, um, especially with the Gen 7 car. However, the way it's been presented to viewers, particularly by Fox, is not the most flattering way that NASCAR has to present their product, to get people excited about it, talking about it, and most importantly, watching the next race. So NASCAR regaining a little bit of control over how their product is presented to the viewers, I think, is a very important step here. Right now, the inmates have somewhat taken over the asylum when it comes to how NASCAR is broadcast. Uh, No one is more interested in the success of NASCAR than NASCAR itself. So them having the ability to dictate the terms of how that product is presented to viewers and hopefully be a little bit more responsive to what the viewers want to see and what they don't want to see will hopefully lead to a better product for us as fans to watch and enjoy coming up in the 2025 season and
0: beyond. Jay, I don't have anything to add, so you can have the last word here.
1: Well, I guess the only thing is, looking forward to it overall, uh, the last thing I'd add there is I secretly think that Mike either works for NBC or he's taking his FedEx paycheck and investing in NBC, uh, and I'll leave it at that.
0: Well, I, I tend to agree with him. I think the NBC broadcast is far superior to the Fox broadcast um but anyway i um let's go ahead and do our round table real quick uh brian we'll start with you
3: uh yes so uh, i'm actually gonna head over to uh road america tomorrow to check out uh and sports cars um for the weekend um, just for tomorrow i'm busy the rest of the weekend but never seen them in action obviously i love road america i was just there last weekend for the Xfinity weekend. So pretty excited to just go over there and check that out as a fan, wander around, see how many, see how many steps I can get in. I got 27,000 last Friday, wandered around the property. So should be a pretty fun, uh pretty fun Friday. Um, last week, obviously it was great to watch uh, Sam Mayer win that Xfinity race. I actually, uh, interviewed him after his first ARCA start back at Iowa back in, I think it was 2018. So pretty cool to see him win. And I was actually by Victory Lane um, when he when he crossed the start-finish line and just the support. Obviously, he's a Wisconsin native. His family is from, I think, only six or seven miles away from the track as dad sprinted over into Victory Lane. And there were probably a good 50, 60 people all in Sam Mayer shirts that were family and friends and sponsors. So really cool to see. Great energy, great atmosphere. Really fun to, to watch that and be able to be a part of that. And then Tuesday night this past week, I actually finally – Cross another race off my bucket list, and that was, I'm still going to call it, like the Sears Tower, I'm going to call it the Dixieland 250, even though they don't call it that anymore up here at Kakana. Um, made the trip for that, it's only uh, about 30 minutes from where I'm living at nowadays, and uh, it was awesome, it was a good time, Tom Majewski obviously took the win, I think that was his third or fourth in the last five years. Um, i say the one thing that was strange their decision, and I believe it was something they changed this year, is they did not count caution laps, so it did take a little bit longer than i think anticipated and i don't think that that was necessarily a good change but really fun to kind of go out and see some super late model racing all you know, Wisconsin international raceway another great little race track um and i uh, had a really good time there Okay,
2: oh, hey mike it's mike underscore L on twitter and mike double underscore o on reddit i opened the show saying that i'm driving well mike where are you driving to well imaginary listener i am driving Through the state of Florida right now, I'm on my way to the happiest place on earth. And, no, I'm not referring to that Mickey Mouse operation in the center of the state. I'm about 30 minutes away from Daytona International Speedway. I'm going to be doing a track night there this evening with my piece of junk race car. And hopefully the thing holds together and I don't wad the thing up. But uh, time will tell. And if I do crash it, I'm sure Jay will be here to give me all the attitude about it. So either way, we're going to have a good time.
0: Okay. Well, pictures are required. So uh, we'll see, so we can see how that goes for you, Mike. Uh, okay, Jay. Uh,
1: you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8, and on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, if I get pictures of Mike Carr, you're definitely going to see him shared on there. Uh, the last time I got to see it was at the uh, Market Street Festival here in Columbus. It looked good. Hopefully it still looks that good coming out of Daytona. And I just realized that Mike doesn't have the money to invest in uh, NBC. He's investing in walls around the country, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, I said required. I meant requested um, for uh, <laughs> photos. Uh, but um, did you give your handles, Jay? You did.
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm good.
0: <clears throat> okay, I am Fanfare Racing Site on Twitter. And Fan4Racing uh, blog and radio on Facebook, as well as our website, dot com. Um, super excited for the racing this weekend out at Michigan. Uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, it, we continue to march toward the playoffs. Uh, the Truck Series is already there. That starts next weekend. So... Um, I'm uh definitely looking forward to uh the racing this weekend. So uh I hope uh, you guys are as well. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you. And uh, to our fan for racing crew for all that they do. Uh, That includes Brian, Mike, Jay, and uh, myself, I guess. I'll include myself in that group as our fan for racing crew. Uh, Looks forward uh, to the show next Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, with that, I guess we're ready to call it a wrap, guys.
3: Yeah, have a good one, everybody, and good Absolutely. luck down at Daytona. I'm excited to hear all about it.
0: Be safe, Mike.
2: Will do, you guys. See
0: you. Everybody and safe travels to all. Bye.